Hey guys, Avis coming to you from the editor's chair to give a quick note about Paige's storyline in How Soon Is Now. We discussed the B-plot first, so that if you're not in a headspace to hear our discussion of the A-plot, you can skip out after our discussion of the B-plot. There is a little bit of a lead-in where we encourage, if you're not in the headspace, if it's not your jam, if it's not your vibe, you can cut out and you will be completely missing any discussion of the A-plot. So uh, we hope that you take that into consideration while listening. And thank you for being a loyal listener of your mom's podcast. And we hope you enjoy this rather long episode. Hello and welcome to season two, episode 10 of your mom's podcast, the only podcast that's worth walking out on a date with one of Degrassi's coolest girls. I'm Avis. And I'm Caroline. And today we're talking about Degrassi Season 2, Episodes 19 and 20, Fight for Your Right and How Soon Is Now. Fight for your right. Roses are red. Emma will die on this hill. When it comes to GM foods, Radich is a shill. Emma's found a new cause. The cap is serving GM foods and Emma won't stand for it. After being shut down by Radich, she inadvertently causes a food fight and gets suspended. But she's not going to take it lying down. Over in grade 9, Spinner is jealous of the way Jimmy's parents shower him with money instead of love and lets his jealousy and poor impulse control ruin their friendship. Womp womp. <laughs> Such a bee Spinner because he's, he's back to cassettes. <laughs> and that hoodie, which is fine. It's very have, of the times. Have we seen that hoodie like that? Like, I feel like we have. And if we haven't, then the reason that I feel like we have is because we will. Right. Because now it's going to be a thing. And like, it's... Marco, you have no place to talk about anybody's wardrobe right now. <laughs> oh, you're coming for Marco? You're coming for that you man. You look like an international mail catalog, my man. Like he does. He totally does. And I mean, I think he's. I think he. That's the vibe he's going for. <laughs> All right, but look at us already being like, "Fuck a structure." <laughs> okay, yeah, no, like let's not talk about the plot at all. But okay, so well, let's start with the B plot since we've been doing that, and that's where we are. Yeah, because the A plot is just yeah. So. um B plot is Jimmy and Spinner. Uh, I mean, somehow off screen, Jimmy's parents have started spoiling Spinner. I don't know. They've just decided that Jimmy's parents are not neglectful and they're around enough to spoil Spinner and their child. I I don't really get the impression that they're around that much more than we've previously been led to believe. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, his dad happened to have the weekend off. So note that he said it was a belated birthday present. Ah, the details. <laughs> um, you know, but, so his yeah. dad was like, oh, finally got the weekend off from being a doctor or a lawyer and oh, cheating on your mom or something. Whatever I'm doing. <laughs> um, let's go shopping, kid. This is the one weekend I'm going to spend with you this quarter. So. Oh, shit. Let's buy every single thing that Triple Five Soul has ever made. 
which also I'm frowning in in 2002 prices because $120? I mean, I feel like... Right. I feel like at that point, like, if you went to PacSun and bought a hoodie, depending on the hoodie, you were looking at between, like, 40 and 60. Right. Like, and that's, like, on the higher end for any hoodie still. Because those are, like, I mean, but that's probably going to last you. Like, those are, like, right. Hollister quality, you know, like, that shit was semi-expensive. But, like, I feel like the the way that the money is just, like, pur- <laughs> purported to be uh, being thrown around towards Spinner is a little bit, like, mm, I don't really believe that. Maybe they feed Do him a lot of pizza. you mean towards Jimmy? No, towards Spinner. Oh, oh you Maybe mean, they feed yeah. him a lot of pizza, but I don't know how they spoil him other than letting you know he stays over i don't i don't know jimmy's saying oh my parents already spoil you because you know they basically start like there's this undertone of now spinner is poor compared (laughs) compared to i mean my guess (laughs) my guess would be that like because they've been friends forever so my guess would be that like forever you know if the brooks family goes on vacation spinner (laughs) is brought along. Jimmy gets to bring a friend because he's an only child and whatever. And things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, shit, I remember, like, I was one of four and we didn't have money and we got to bring friends on vacation. Mm -hmm. Granted, our vacations were, like, camping, but... Yeah, Yeah, I mean, and I that's definitely valid um, because I think, like, the whole undertone of, like, oh, my parents spoil you, you're a freeloader wasn't you know realized on me i was like okay i just want to know where this is coming from like you guys are just teeing it up way too way too nicely for spinner to now be and i mean they did have a similar not a super similar but a similar enough episode before to set him up of you know he's not he's not wealthy like jimmy but he's not poor like there's been that and now he's poor i mean but it was never the wasn't poor like we just didn't really know his socioeconomic status i don't think he's like poor poor but i don't I think, think he's, he's poor lower poor, middle but class i th- oh yeah i think he's lower middle class but i mean where's kendra is she still around <laughs> um i think <laughs> i think she's gone she was in relax and dressed relax in black and, and i don't think we've black. seen her first uh, since no, and I don't see, think we see her again. If we do, it's not as any kind of like major plot point. And then she's not back after season two. Damn. Maybe yeah, she season. is. Maybe she's in season three. We'll have to look I, that up. We'll have to look that up. But I don't. I don't recall a lot of her because like she just she was a really like she was a big part of relax. But yeah, I was just thinking about how. Um, you know, I, I like how different characters dress. Like that's a lot of how we tell what kind of, you know, conditions, what kind of home life they have, whatever, like their parents make money, whatever. So I was just thinking about the fact that Kendra, unless they're making her literally wear the same outfit two days in a row. And I think that's just being lazy with the, you know, the production. But, um, I think that she's fairly dressed, you know, in like stylish and trendy stuff. I mean, she is, but she's also like, it's, it's stylish and trendy, but it's also giving 
limited to like it's not oh, yeah, like it's totally giving limited to it's heavy limited you know to. it's not triple five soul it's not yeah, i think I th- too i think the big thing like i don't even think it is that jimmy's parents spoil spinner so much as like jimmy's parents are very absent yeah and when they see spinner like when they are home and Spinner is there, they probably give more attention and like more interest to Spinner in the sake of for the sake of politeness, mm-hmm. because they strike me as very like keeping up appearances type of people. And so Jimmy sees not only that his parents care about like what Spinner's up to. But then also they bring him on vacation and he probably gets his nicest birthday present every year from Jimmy and has for years and whatever. And so he's like, not only do you get attention, but you also get a share of the only kind of love my parents show me and you want to fucking complain to me. But Jimmy doesn't have the words for that yet. Uh, Damn. <laughs> and I mean, that's completely I, I don't think I considered it in that way because I did not have parents that made me feel like that. And I feel like the the parents that Jimmy is shown to have later, you know, reveals a little bit more about the conditions that he might be going through at this time. But, you know, until I'm like, oh, this is definitively like the kind of parents he has because we haven't even seen them on screen. It's like everything we're filling in. And I definitely didn't consider that they could that that could be the route of thinking to go down. But that's definitely valid. And I think that that would constitute spoiling in Jimmy's eyes, um, Mm -hmm. which is completely a good point. (laughs) Cause like, yeah, you know, I mean, like my parents were interested in me, but also like if I had a friend over, my parents were like engaged with my friend. Yeah. You know, Definitely. and not that they were like up their ass, but like if we're at dinner, they're like, so Julia, what's been going on with, you know, are you still working on a book or whatever? Yeah. And when your parents don't give you that, and it's a lot of big feelings that I get Jimmy not like, like Jimmy doesn't even understand why he's mad that Spinner's making fun of him. Yeah, he doesn't. Because it's, I mean, that's not, he he will never have that situation. Even like, that's one thing, way his parents don't neglect him is financially. It's like, they give him everything, you know, even if it's on delay of like what he might want. So he's never been in the hand-me-down clothes. Or even if he's not hand-me-down, like just not the, you know, most expensive clothes. His parents, you know, sh- like you said, show their love by buying his, you know, his heart's desire so I definitely think that like they're coming from because you know Spinner conversely would say that I'm sure he doesn't want for like attention or love or anything like his parents well his mom we hear more about his mom no but he mentioned his dad he's still got a dad today um but no Spinner's like Spinner talks about doing shit with his dad like he no Spinner's parents care about him and they can't just buy him thousands of dollars worth of really bland hoodies, but they show him love in 
other ways, you know, they spend time with him when they can spend time with him when they're not working. And, you know, there's memories made that way. And I mean, that is, um, you know, that's valuable. And I think that there is something to be said for providing for someone, but then there's something entirely to be said for, you know, actually enriching their life with your presence and, you know, trying to be a positivity and, you know, I don't know, Jimmy's not going to care about how many triple fucking soul, triple whatever soul hoodies he has. He's going to care that his parents, you know, showed up for his birthday and made him the lobster that he was supposed but to they have. Didn't. But they didn't. But they didn't. had to have the usual medium pepperoni. Medium pepperoni. <laughs> it's fucked up. Um, but yeah, like, honestly, Jim, that's why Jimmy's so nonchalant, you know, obviously to a kid like Spinner who wants for things that are more, you know, like modern, expensive, whatever, um, he is going to be super excited about these things that Jimmy is just like, yeah, whatever. This is just another guilt trip of a, of a shopping trip, whatever. So I think, you know, they're obviously coming from two different places. So Spinner is eyeing Jimmy's 500 something dollar. Um, they can't say iPod. Of course, Caroline and I were talking about the fact that they call it MP3 player. It's an iPod. It's they an just iPod. say MP3 player. You know how people used to say text message? And sometimes I still do say text message, but like when texts first came out, like that's what you, <laughs> you said, text message. And it just sounds so analogs <laughs> does yeah. not um so yeah like mp3 player hey that new mp3 player must cost about 500 bucks it's so uh, like do people even like does anybody have an mp3 player anymore no i i doubt it because they're all built into like can i have, go like, to best buy and buy an mp3 player well, you can buy an iPod still, not an iPod Touch. Maybe still an iPod Touch, even though they don't make them. But no, I don't think like a straight, like a Zune. No. <laughs> like it's a damn- so crazy. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. Care. They're going to be like, uh, bitch, use your phone or get an iPod. What are you talking about an MP3 right? player for? Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a focal point for spinner because he has he reveals and reminds us when i mean i definitely every time he says it i'm like oh yeah kwan did do that um he was he's rocking out in kwan's class last year and like you know she's hearing the tapping or whatever and she's like will y'all stop whoever's doing that and he's got his book propped up and then she (laughs) she takes down his book and like you know, yanks it out of the, uh, his headphones out of the disc man and it smacks on the floor and breaks. And he's, she's like, my, my disc man, no, your fault for listening to it in my class. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, I'm back to cassettes. Oh, because I hear her voice. She's so like, nah, like this is your L like you're taking, I'm not going to be held responsible for your shit because you're she was pissed off she was on edge but um that was the catalyst for everything (laughs) for all the mischief i mean well no because it wasn't even that he wanted because he wanted to sell the mp3 player i know he didn't even like him well initially he was so excited about it because he's back to cassettes and 
But then he decides, oh, no, Spinner, I don't want that. I want a triple soul. <laughs> Spinner is not okay. None of what Spinner does in this episode is okay. But I also completely understand Yeah, growing up, like, with not a lot of money mm-hmm. and having a friend who, to you, has everything and watching them just, like not really care and be careless with their shit it's and i mean i that's totally like do you remember your first ipod would you not have like (sighs) made sure you knew where it was before you left any area that thing was like a baby bird (laughs) i never i made sure that it was in my pocket you know like it was it was right who it was a treasure um, and it wasn't one of the ones that could click to me either. So it was, uh, it was actually like I had to hold it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, totally. It was something that I guarded with my life. Jimmy doesn't give a fuck. Jimmy gives no fucks. He could be, he whatsoever. could give less than a shit. Like he's only upset when he realizes that it's missing because, you know, spoiler alert, not spoiler alert. He leaves it in gym class and fucking it's not even gym class they're just like playing basketball between classes because they get not recess but (laughs) not recess but that middle time Um, yeah uh in between classes which honestly you know what give teenagers recess i think that it could account for less like you know you'll have less behavioral issues because you know, just get outside right. in the sun. If you can half an hour to an hour of outside time every day. I'd fucking and, like, take that. And, like, time to, like, decompress, decompress. for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. So, go Canada. High school stressful. Although, I think it's just Degrassi. It's, I think you know it's how just TV for the purposes high schools of... have that weird timeline. Oh, yeah. They just get to accomplish so much. And, like, they have eight straight A's. And they do extracurriculars. And they're also grabbing coffee. And they're on campus. And they're off campus. And there's practice in the middle of the school day. They're having cotillion lessons in the middle of the school day. And (laughs) And now it's Christmas. (laughs) Decorating committee in the middle of the school day. Yeah. It's it's fucking dumb. Um, But I think that it's funny that... um, the only he's he's only getting upset when he realizes it's gone because he knows that his dad is going to kick his ass um, right and and have a negative reaction to it because like i we we went out and bought that me and you and and you're just so Do you think like, money grows on trees clearly it does because you just be buying me these 120 dollars hoodies whenever the fuck you feel like it so clearly like at least two of them <laughs> yeah and it's like the most like colors Jimmy's ever worn. <laughs> like this, I, in this episode, <laughs> like he's just bright for all years. Time. Like, and no shade to Triple Five Soul, and like men's Some fashion is not I'm something I know a lot about. But right. like for years, I have tried to like see what the appeal is of this hoodie. Maybe it's really, really fucking comfortable. I hope it's comfortable inside. Like maybe it's got some cush, you know, like I love some, I love fur line hoodies. You know, those are. Well, and Jimmy looks real comfortable in that matching set that he's got, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's like, cause like just that nice comfy fabric. Like I sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like, do you just get to wear all the nice stuff? Like I like dresses and stuff. 
there's so low effort and it looks like you've done so much and you've done nothing. Right? You've done nothing at all. But um, I used to I used to have this dress. Oh my god, it was this beautiful blue spaghetti strap, really nice like like t-shirt material almost. Yeah. But the way that it was cut made it look really fancy and it was so funny because every time I wore it people would be like, you know, oh, what are you so dressed up for? Mm-hmm. And like, that was not that I didn't wear that dress out, but I also would wear that dress when I was like super depressed because yeah. it was the closest it felt to like not wearing clothes. And I knew I would get a bunch of compliments on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's that like? Oh. Saying? Like the Tinkerbell, she, <laughs> wait, she lives on, she's fueled by your compliments or whatever. Um, uh, Welcome to Caroline's Closet, a <laughs> podcast about my wardrobe. It's just so like it definitely looks like a cozy outfit, but like I don't know that it's worth because like presumably if the hoodies are one hundred and twenty bucks, like then the whole set, you know, if they're throwing some pants in there, maybe we're looking at another eighty. Like how much are they charging for right. this shit? How much are they charging for this shit? Um, it's I mean, too much. I'm it's too much sure we can. I'm pretty oh, we, sure we can literally find oh, that right. out because I it's a real that brand. They still, that they're like in, they're they're an existing brand. They exist. Yeah, I continually oh, forget. God. I'm looking this shit up right now. I bet this is really interesting for our listeners. I know, um, like real time research, guys. You you hard hitting because we just want to you know keep you as informed as possible. Oh damn it! So they were down for a minute now they're back but they don't have like i can't they don't have inventory right now so i don't know i don't oh, know don't. how much oh, well, those least, pants would be well at least triple soul at least you're still around like that's totally an accomplishment with COVID and everything to still be you know in business so hopefully they get some merch soon and we can maybe take a look later because Jimmy will continue to wear this line of clothing. So <laughs> there's he more, will. there's more to see. Um, but here's my issue with what Spinner does. Um, aside from the fact that he could literally just like have not fucking stolen from his best friend and been so obvious and said, I'm going to go buy me a triple sole hoodie. Oh, and when Jimmy's like, Obvi- where did you get the fucking money for that? You've been wearing the same hoodie since seventh grade. Um, and he's just like, shut up. Shut up. Like you don't, you had no plan. You had no plan. You're just going to take it and hawk it. And you were just going to like hope that Jimmy didn't notice that you suddenly had a brand new hoodie and no money in sight to pay for it. No job. <laughs> like, I don't know. He didn't think any of that through. Um, like, that's not my issue though. I mean, it is, but that's not my biggest issue. Why Sully? Sully's like the biggest asshole. And I know they were having a conversation about MP3 player, uh, as they're calling them in this, <laughs> in this episode, but why him? Because I it's think like, they were like trying the worst to make guy Sully a character. character. Yeah, they were trying to make Sully happen. And, and I mean, if that's what's... I'm just so glad Sully is like the douchey guy in like an 80s ski lodge comedy. Oh, that's so specific yet so accurate. 
Right? Yeah. Uh-uh-uh. And I mean, like, he's such a, like, a visceral douche in every interaction that he's got. The, he, yeah. And he, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. A, this is a sully fucking slander, slander podcast. podcast. Yeah. I mean, because like, um, personally, if, if he is your, if he's a character you enjoy, please write into us because I think it would be cool yeah. to like get your If you stand as, as sully, <laughs> please let us know. Please let us know. You can write it on our Facebook group. Um, if you're a part of that, if you're not, please join. Why aren't um, you? Or you could, why aren't you? Or the page. We also have a page where we do discussions. Or you could literally just email us and like talk to us. Because like, why would Sully be a, a favorite character of anyone? Because he's hardly a character. He's like a caricature. Um, and he's a caricature of a major douche. So I don't really, he, God, he, he sucks. Serves, and like he has no tact. Like you see, they're having a moment here, and you still like. Well, and he just like he does. Yeah, he can't read the fucking room. He does not want to read the fucking room. He's like, and, give me my hundred and twenty dollar MP3 player. It's probably from China, Sully, and it's probably. It's like if <laughs> you okay. So here's the thing: shit. is that like the kids in the main cast? If you shot. Degrassi like documentary style instead Mm -hmm. yeah and said to me like this is a reality tv show about a Canadian high school I would be like oh cool that tracks Sully (laughs) looks like he's on a tv show yeah and acts like he's on a tv show in a way that like these kids don't obviously like some stuff would not be like oh yeah clearly this is a documentary but like by and large if they made it documentary style i would buy it i would not buy it with sully there <laughs> he, he likes to just go back ruins to the, everything to the mountain like he just, just ruins it he, he takes sucks. you out of this he takes you out of the believability and he's such a, a like a circle of a character no no you know, just yeah. nothing. But yeah, so, you know, hating on Sully's fun, but because there's just so much to hate. But, you know, so he's the one that uh, Spinner decides is just the best person to unload this stolen MP3 player. And um, for like less than a quarter of market value. <laughs> right. Like, literally, like, like. <sighs> and I just want to talk about that for a second because why that price? Spinner, think about because the fact that like it's worth... all he wants is a triple five soul. He just hoodie. wants he just wants one, and he wants to be have to come out of pocket for shipping and handling for this endeavor. <laughs> like he doesn't want to. He doesn't even want to like recoup. Like you want to be safe and say buck forty. You want to be safe and just like make sure that you're covered buck 50 buck 50 even 200 even two just like just be square just like just just make it easy even two nah sully's got it sully's got that money he's so he totally he see those sunglasses that dude has that money um but aside from like just spinner's not thinking his critical thinking skills aren't on deck this episode and jimmy's are on point So they're just working against each other because Jimmy's like, he's not a step ahead of him, but he's like, as soon as Spinner takes a step, he just steps right next to him and he's like, 
oh, I see what you're doing. <laughs> like, he's like, he's like, Spinner, you're very transparent. That's my like MP3 player. Like, I, I know that's the, the, like, that's the price of the triple soul hoodie. And my MP3 player's missing. That's strange. That's suspicious. <laughs> like, right. Right. I, I oh. just think it's, the B plot is hilarious. I mean, I, I, like the end result is Jimmy and Spinner are not friends anymore. So. And that's a super bummer. <laughs> that is. <laughs> they were toxic. Because it's actually, <laughs> it's really, I mean, they are super toxic. But like, it's sweet when Jimmy goes, because Jimmy goes and apologizes to Spinner for making fun of him for being poor. Which is so it? Oh my gosh! The secondhand embarrassment that because I hate that sort of thing when like a character does something. Usually it's like speeches or whatever. But this scene gave me such secondhand embarrassment of him being like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Please leave, please leave, please leave, so that I can continue this right. fucking uh, heist uh, and come to and unload these goods." And it's like, fuck, he's saying some nice shit to me. Fuck me, fuck. And it's so hard to and watch. And then so Jimmy like apologizes, and then. Spinner's like, okay, why are you still here? He's like, I don't know. I mean, isn't this the part where we walk home together, best friends again? Right. Like, so what the fuck? Like, fuck you, Spinner. <laughs> I don't so usually, you know that I'm not a Jimmy fan, but like, it, you he's feel a bad guy, for but I feel for yeah. him. And like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because, like, when you break, I mean, honestly, for the psychoanalysis that you kind of gave, this Jimmy in this situation I think that you are kind of a champion for him which I appreciate because it's like you do feel for him but then when you add that layer of okay you know my parents don't like you're the most kind of consistent person I have in my life and I feel like you know you enhance like from from Caroline's reading you enhance my experience with my parents they actually pay more attention to me when you're around and I I just feel like you know, this betrayal is so deep because I didn't see it coming. Like, I didn't think that my best friend who, you know, gets pretty much everything that I get in terms of, like, affections and shit. Right. Well, I think, I mean, that's the thing is it's not, I don't think that he gets more attention when Spinner's around. I think Spinner gets more attention when he's around than Jimmy's parents give him ever. Like they at least feign interest in Spinner. And so it's an interesting, like, for Spinner, Jimmy has everything. Mm -hmm. And for Jimmy, and I don't think, again, I don't think he has the, like, the words and the life experience and what have you to, like, articulate these big feelings at this point. But, like, to to Jimmy, Spinner has everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like Jimmy doesn't care about these hoodies and this MP3 player. He just right. wants parents that love him. And Spinner right. has parents that love him. He just wants stuff. He just wants hoodie, a hoodie, one hoodie. And he just wants a hoodie. And his disc man back, Quan. And his disc man back. Uh-huh. But like, no, it's like. It's hard. I'm the betrayal old you feel now. Bad. And. And part of watching Degrassi as somebody who is old is that it's a lot easier to like look at these kids objectively and see like because a lot the vast majority of Degrassi characters are pretty 
well-rounded, pretty, yeah, consistent, like where they go, like makes sense, especially these, this first round of kids, like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're and, yeah, they're thoughtfully created. And like, yeah, they do dumb shit. And they are really fucking annoying sometimes, every last one of them, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But that's what teenagers do. And while I still find them annoying and I'm absolutely going to make fun of them, and sometimes I don't have any grace for whatever decision it is they're making, Ellie, most of the time, mm-hmm. um, I also... I also can't help but like see the whole picture and be like, yeah, this isn't what they should do. Yeah. But what else is Jimmy going to do? His parents don't fucking love him. They don't. And I mean, it's, it's sad because you could tell that he is a sweet kid that he just want. And I mean, you know, you see it with him and Ashley, but you also just see it with the way, like he is the humble person. He's going to come to you and be like, yeah, I do miss you. Yeah, I do. You know, I do want to, fix our you know if I was making fun of you I'm sorry I'm sorry Mm -hmm. that I hurt your feelings like he is definitely is not you know prideful when it comes to admitting his feelings and I think it's because he really just does want genuine deep connections that he's not getting at home with his parents like he wants love and the fact that he calls himself a suction cup back in in season one is pretty much like i think how he tends to like feel he's like you know right his mom probably called him that when he was like four oh god it fucks him forever can you fucking imagine that's like traumatic you fucking imagine right like even with like good parents like i don't know my mom definitely said shit to me that wasn't even meant to be some type of way mm-hmm. but it it st- stayed with me you know totally i'm sure you can say the same yeah and i mean it's i think it's just because you know you're growing up with your parents too in a sense it's like your parent is always and i think as a kid you don't realize that you know if you have a parent that you are around you know, and and it, mm-hmm. it is, and is actively parenting you, unlike Jimmy's parents, you get to experience their personhood once you get a little bit older, and you realize, oh, my parents had a life before me. Oh, my parents were like people before me. My mom well, isn't or just like, named mom, and there's there's interesting and trauma. my mom was twenty four when I was born. My dad was twenty two. Yeah, my mom was twenty. Yeah, and and I was. I was, uh, like, planned. Oh, you were planned? At 24 and 22, my parents were like, yeah, let's have a human. Like, let's plan this. Okay. And, like, I don't know. I, I had this, like, kind of real epiphany slash existential not crisis but something when I turned 28 because I don't know if I've talked about it on the show before but when I was six my dad was in a motorcycle accident um and disemboweled himself like died three times that night when everything was said and done doctors were like you got two to five years man 
and you're just going to spend it dying. Um, and he ended up living like 26 years because Monroe's are like, fuck that. Um, but when I turned 28, cause like I was six and so like my dad was a grown up, like he wasn't like an old person, but he was a grown up, you know? And it wasn't until I turned 28 that I realized like how young that is, is right, yeah. to be faced with your own mortality and to like, you know, in my dad's case, have something that's just going to like completely alter the course of your life for the next 26 years right. happen to you. And like, my dad was a chef. My dad was a prolific chef. And had he not had the accident and had he also not had his weird fail, like fear of succeeding, my dad could have been fucking Anthony Bourdain. And instead he, you know, worked under the table at a restaurant that he owned, but he didn't own it because he couldn't own it because he was on, you know, That's so and, cool. and pooped in a bag. Oh man. Yeah. That's a lot to go through at 28. Like that's, it's, it's very young. It's I'm so young. So I'm 29. So I feel like I only yeah, have a little baby. Yeah. I mean, I only have more time. My partner's turning 34 and. Oh, December. so she's an old lady like me. That is five years, Caroline. <laughs> that is five Oh, yeah. I was born in 94. Right, but... She was born in 89. <laughs> oh, I'm not even commenting on the age difference. I'm just saying once you're you hit, like, like live of she's life. not quite, she's not an old lady yet, but like 35, this, it, she's going to be an old lady. I will say we were walking and, you know, she was just literally walking into her mother's house yesterday and her, her knee gave out and she was just like, damn it, my knee gave out. And I'm like, <laughs> You can't fall apart now. We've just got so much life left to live. Yo, to be fair, it's not like she does have an injury in her knee, but it wasn't even that knee. So I don't even know. I No, dude. It just, just starts like, So much of aging I love, but like the body shit, like, and I would be fine with like, going gray or going white or whatever like the visible signs of aging fine whatever but the way that like sometimes I play this game when I'm falling asleep where I'll like make my legs as tense as I can and then relax them and do that as many times as I can before they stop making a sound when I do it oh my because there's all the little crackles yeah like i would like for my body to not be so hurty oh my gosh so terrified of like falling i'm really scared of like slipping in the tub all of a sudden because i did it like my life flashed before my eyes is that like we moved into a new house so it there's tile up the whole bed like it's basically the whole shower is a tile and it is not slippery it's actually like that sort of gravelly feel to it 
but the tub itself like has a little slip to it and I just turned to adjust the podcast I was listening to our podcast actually and our, our voices would have been the last thing I heard and I and I turned a little bit too much and I almost had to grab the curtain for strength <laughs> because I almost slipped in like in a tin like a turn I grabbed the uh, the ledge and I did not perish thank goodness I'm not a ghost talking to y'all <laughs> So I did a six feet under binge recently, as you know, and when I say binge, I mean, I fucking binged it. I think I finished the entire series in under two weeks, which is Um, insane, Caroline, which is insane. Self-employment has its perks sometimes. I mean, Um, totally. (laughs) And depression has its perks. I was going to say, you know, you know. Yeah, a little bit but, of column A, column B. But if you if you don't know, Six Feet Under is a show about a family that runs a funeral home, and every episode starts with a death. And usually it's not like characters that we know beyond this little glimpse of the end of their life that we get to see. And they die in all sorts of ways. Um and so now I'm like constantly aware of the ways that I could die. I was like leaving a house sitting gig and there's like four steps, but they're kind of steep. And I'm like, and the hallway's kind of narrow and I'm like, or the stairway's kind of narrow. I'm like, should I be trying to carry all of my things in one trip down these stairs? No. Or am I going to slip and break my neck? The second one. The second thing, totally, unfortunately. I decided not to risk it. <laughs> yeah, that's like, it's, oh man, it's so scary. Um, I feel like we, I, I think in the um, episode three, we're like, t- you know, we somehow got onto the witch trials or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I think I say like, like this is the most like successful tangent we've ever like gone on like I think it's the most wild one I don't know I think that the fact like we got all the way to like aging like from talking about Jimmy's parents because I think you're talking about how you can see them a little bit you know right to like my very family specific trauma yeah we just we just made the round you know um because apparently this is a little bit of Caroline's therapy dump uh, podcast. And that, and that is, you know, you're right. Um, but I feel like we did kind of beat the B plot to death. I feel like there's A plot to talk about, even though... There's so much A plot, and me, it's a good A plot. It is a good A plot. It's just so much that I feel could like could have like like gm foods i think it's probably not as much of a of a concern anymore because i know that we all feel like we in some ways we're eating something genetically modified and we don't even know it so we don't even have control over it and right it's 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 very easy to feel like kind of hopeless about it right yeah um but also i think you know we have a better understanding and like, are there bad GM foods and bad GM food companies? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are GMOs a hundred percent across the board, a bad thing? No. Like I think especially Radich being the voice of reason saying, making crops resistant to drought and um, disease is important. 
you know, we, we can't, we can't yeah. say like, we need to be able to feed ourselves. And I mean, in other parts of the world, you know, even places like Europe, they don't, you know, you can't get tomatoes all year round because tomatoes are a summer thing. Like strawberries are a summer thing. They eat more in season right. than we do. And I think in that way, as a country, we're just used to having our foods all year round whenever we want them. And that is why as a country, we have more genetically modified crops because we just want, we just want that. And I mean, we do have different climates in this country that have the ability to grow different things, but typically we're just creating that shit. We're, we're, we're making the shit grow. Whatever right. We're creating we that shit. We're like shipping it from, you know, and it's like, for like, I get sure. It's nice to have tomatoes year round. If you're the kind of person who likes tomatoes, I bet. But like <laughs> tomato hater, <laughs> I'm. I, I we've come a long way, me and tomatoes. But like, it used to be like fuck those guys, and then it was like, look, I'm not gonna invite them to the party, but if they show up, it's fine. And now it's like I'll invite them to the party, but I'm not gonna be sad if they don't come. <laughs> um. <laughs> And usually, like, if I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll try tomatoes on my sandwich. I'll eat, like, half of it with tomato. And then you'll take it And off. then I'm like, now I've had enough. I, I feel that way about some things, too. It's like oh, the totally. Montreal boys. At some point, you got to kick them out. Um, oh my God. But, like, I think a lot of my aversion to tomatoes comes from the fact that, like, for so much of the year, tomatoes aren't good. They don't. That Yeah, they're not good. That's true. And I feel like the same way about strawberries, honestly. Um, I like a really like sweet, like juicy strawberry, not too, not too firm, but like when you get them um, most of the year, they're like firm and they're tart and they like mm -hmm. look a little bit too green and there's just not enough juice. They're like drier. I don't like, they're, they're just not, they're not there yet. They're not, you know, this is not their time to shine right they shine in the, in the summertime that's why they're so good on like summer salads and shit. right berries like there is not a berry that i want to eat during not berry season right. they're all too tart for me or like blueberries are so like bland right blueberries i have a problem with because they're squishy or if they're either squishy or they're like like not squishy enough i know like i like weird. a frozen blueberry uh, or i like to put them or in, in pancakes or freeze-dried i like freeze-dried blueberries because then they're like a little bit chewy um like i like freeze-dried fruit in general is really nice freeze dried fruit in general is pretty good because it's like I, I i you know it's consistent texture you know what to expect mm -hmm. i used to have a nanny gig where the mom would buy like those like prepper she wasn't a prepper, but she found like some prepper company that would sell these like huge tubs of freeze dried fruit for the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And me and the baby would just go through like tubs of strawberries and apples. Oh. Um, I really love the texture of a freeze dried strawberry, but yeah, no, like, I don't know why you would want to eat. It's easier for me to see it with, like, the produce that I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. But, like, why would you want to eat a tomato when it's not tomato season? Because it's not good. 
it's like mealy it's like bland it's like oh a mealy tomato is like disgusting i hate that grit. i hate grit time. i hate gritty tomatoes like the skin falls off I, uh, yeah, anyway um it definitely feels like <laughs> you know they also have so my my thing with this episode too is they do have radish um, you know, Emma prepares a presentation. That's what she's doing when the episode opens. Um, and Snake is sitting in for Radich. And then, you know, we go to the real thing later that, uh, the next day, um, later the next morning. And it's uh, Emma, Ashley, and I always forget this young lady's name. Do you know it? The wolf, the, the young lady who um, did the Nadia. report about wolf, wolves, uh, Nadia. Yes, and Nadia's on board with this too. And they have Radich eat one of the tomatoes that Sheila has in the calf. And he's like, it's, you know, he eats it like an apple and he's like, Oh, it's good. You know, what's, you know, it's perfectly fine. And, uh, and he's like, and she's like, yeah. And you could heart Emma. She says you could hardly taste the scorpion DNA. And, you know, she goes further to say that they use that so that um, it's resistant to something makes them grow. So I don't know. She does explain it, but it, she kind of lost me because I think she was just going for the shock factor most of this episode. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. Emma, do you know that civilization- It makes them resistant like, to pesticides or pesticide. whatever. I'm oh, like, okay. And I'm, it, it, we literally, people eat scorpions. Like people actually eat them. So I mm-hmm. don't think that like, I think that, I always thought that, you know, I used to watch Fear Factor and everything. Um, and now, you know, growing up, I watched Naked and Afraid. And those people will literally eat anything they get their hands on because it's about survival. They're like, oh, a scorpion, that's dinner. Oh, a squirrel, that's dinner. And it's just like, okay, people eat a lot of weird shit. And if they found something that's naturally occurring to be able to to help the food, like, I don't think, I think that's science more than you know, and, and of course there's things that we don't know the benefits of or the harm, the risks of, you know, 20 years from now, but there's, that's, you could say the same for so many things like technology in general, like, (laughs) like having cell phones so close to our heads, stuff like that. What I will say though, is like Radich goes from being reasonable to being, I think out of line. He does. With he does. How with, he handles stuff with Emma. Like he, he had a point initially, like, and I think his re- his uh, reasonable, level headed, you know, basically saying this is double the cost for basically stuff that they're just slapping a label on that we're not sure if you know the alternative is harmful, and you know we need to be able to provide a reasonably cost costing lunch for the student body, and we don't have the money to complain about the calf serving food when we you know budget cuts which i think is crazy we might not even we we're lucky to even have a calf what do you mean i mean <laughs> i think he's being a little he's being a, there, i was like, gonna say like do, i i know i definitely had like i know catholic school horror stories like there's definitely been some catholic schools where like the lunch ladies come in only twice a week and then the rest of the week you pack you know, you pack cold lunch. Like I know that there's definitely budgets, budgetary things that make schools not be able to have a calf. But I just think in a school like Degrassi, I don't think that's going to be a thing, Radich. I'm going to veto right. that. I'm going to call bullshit on that. But then him ultimately just saying like, this is a great, you know, this is a great thing for you guys to believe in. However, 
like there's no we don't have the evidence to support that this is harmful and i'm not going to take and what you're saying and and you know run with it and sink our budget right and but he goes further <laughs> and kids do have a, like you have a right to decide whether or not something is something that you want to put in your body i feel like oh yeah definitely and so like emma's it's before school emma's not like being disruptive in class she's she's being annoying but like she's standing outside of the school doing her thing and like you don't need to shut that down and I don't mm-hmm. think he should have. And then still being annoying. But if she was off school property with her he, second right. protest, which she was. I don't think he had a right to shut that shit down. He didn't. I think. And he I, goes, think, he I think I think he got very quickly. Yeah, it's exactly what I the word I was going to use. And it's okay. and it's disappointing. It is because he's he's. He should respect that she is not defying him. She's trying to still do what she's believing it believes in and express her opinion, but she's not trying to defy you by still being on your campus. Like she's across the street. It may be a little cheeky, but she the student body is what who she's trying to reach. So her standing across the street, not on school property, and where schools, you know, her school peers gather in order to get this message out is smart. And it's also mm-hmm. not breaking the rules that you just set forth. Like you told her she can't do it on campus. Like she's not, or she didn't even, I mean, he, I don't know if he explicitly said not on campus, but he just said like, you know, he shut her down and she's like, well, I'm not doing right. this on your campus. So you can't, you don't really have a say and you can't shut me down. Like he's he he goes a little far with it, and then like his he did threaten her, he threatened her, saying like, oh you know, you better <laughs> you better apologize on this school uh school news, or you you know you're gonna be suspended. Or you're suspended for a week. Like, yeah, no, Radich what? gets out of hand. I guess he's also stressed out about the fact that Spike's out of town, and he you goes know, there's a lot of pressure like, there. So somebody get this lady back because shit just goes to the you know hits the fan when she's gone nobody can control the whole Emma. town is afraid when spike's out of town and apparently just can't does not have a cell phone and can't be reached nope. um can't is just a remote her location is remote Dude, fuck you fuck and i like <laughs> i like that snake is like look i can't help you make this decision I love because that. I have to wear the dad hat and the teacher hat here, and but I support yeah. whatever decision you make. Like I'm here, I got you. You know, I don't think Emma got in trouble at home for being suspended. I don't think so either, and I like that because again, like that goes back to their, you know, their cute little moment in Weird Science. Um, just having that, like being proud of her for being scrappy and changing her project at the last minute and also being proud of her and being like, you know, this is something you believe in. And I, I really, I admire that. Like, and I admire you wanting to take this and, and, you know, 
like stand in it and even Snake if that is means such a good dad. being punished like you know you have to make that decision for yourself i can't tell you what to do blah 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 right. he's, he's such a great dad and i think that it's such a sweet moment and i'm like cheering for them the whole time because even though emma does have her you know when she storms into his classroom i think he handles it so well basically saying like emma you're suspended you need to go home and her right. being so much like i don't think what i did was wrong and like <laughs> she's like i didn't mean to start the food fight you know a food fight that i didn't mean to start intentionally like girl if you don't go home if you know, like it's right I, and it's like his, it doesn't her. matter how much he supports her in that like his hands are tied there right. really yes there's that clear line you know that unless I he's yeah unless he's really trying to take a stand and like there are hills to die on are you sure this is one of them right and i think that's such a sweet like stance to take because it is i mean like it's it's the right one and like i think that he is very like good at straddling the line but because like he's always going to try to put you know that relationship that he has with her as his teacher you know and weight that against the relationship he has with her as his new stepdaughter and i think it's just cool to see the relationship develop but also to look back on her struggling against it and being like oh you are giving me special treatment and blah blah and then here she is wanting that special treatment like a couple episodes later <laughs> and she I well mean, because i mean there's a figuring out of like boundaries and personalities and everything that that has to be done in a situation like this, you know, when you've lived 12 her, years of your life me? without a dad. Yeah. And he then here's her, like, this are you dude. testing me? Are you, you know, she's mm -hmm. like, no, I mean, you are my new dad. So I figured you'd a little me. bit, but it's really about rabbit. It's really about, right. Like I, maybe I am testing you, but like, you know, that's kind of just a secondary thing to what I, my main thing that I got going on here. Um, <laughs> like she totally is like, she she i mean i think kids in general test you you know to see what they can get away with and i mean i don't well, exactly. think that's, I, I think that that's totally age appropriate and i think that he realizes that that's why he's so mm. measured with her and he's like you've got a fire you're spunky but i'm gonna i'm gonna you you gotta stay in your lane you gotta sit down right like i'm not you're not gonna be do, pulling me into this foolishness that you've got with radich um <laughs> except when i want to cosplay as radich <laughs> Right. <laughs> Those fucking classes. Um, it's definitely like I love their dynamic in this episode, and I love that they get a chance to kind of feel it out a little bit more. And we know the parameters. We know that Snake is never going to put, um, you know, he's never going to put Emma up on a pedestal in that way. In when he's in teacher mode, he's going to treat her like any other student. There's been some, you know. A decision handed down by Radich, he is not going to go against that. And, you know, he's not going to weigh in her favor when she's done a great project. You know, he, he's going to be her teacher at school and he's going to be her stepdad at home. And I think that right. that's really cool. And I love that they emphasize that this episode. And I also love that Emma gets knocked down a peg in a good way because she realizes that yeah you can't you know get over on shit just because like this is not the perks you think it is like <laughs> well and i do love that yet again emma is 
championing, champion, championing. There we go. That was really hard. We can cut some of that. <laughs> she was championing a cause mm-hmm. without thinking about the way that the issue she's upset about affects people that don't have her privilege. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like and she gets called out on it, which I love. Oh yeah, and I mean, it's totally you know, and something... she got called out last time. Right, because she's seeing it from her very limited point of view. And I mean, her saying that she thinks she's right is so much like, yeah, like from your viewpoint, I'm sure you think you're right. Like there's no other way that it could be. Of course you're right. But, you know, for people who don't have a computer, you know, getting the perk of, okay, I just have to listen to this, you know, this advertisement that's maybe five to seven minutes of my life. And then I get, you know, then my school has free computers and I can do my homework or, you know, my school has a lunch for $3.99 and the shit be good. Like, <laughs> like I don't right. give a fuck right. if it's genetically modified. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's I don't know. And then the, the fact that, again, taking it back to their presentation of Nadia saying, we can order as much food from them as possible. Bish, do you know the budget? <laughs> like, right. Nadia looks stressed. Right. He looks stressed. He's like, look, we've got to feed these people. Like, we've got to feed, and we're not feeding them garbage like we're feeding them you know vegetables and fruit and we're trying to to have a healthy lamb fucking stroganoff right like mashed potatoes i don't know like kids love fries there's fries you know like i there's not any for me it's just a very elitist point of view (laughs) and sheila sauce is always free no, it is. It's, Hang on, lumberjack. I gotta feed a whole school extra Sheila sauce. And here's the thing: is like, you can say jam foods are dangerous. You know, we don't know yet what the effects are, and we should be looking at alternatives. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you also have to acknowledge, like, three ninety nine a day is not cheap, really. Like that adds up. That's what yeah. five days a week. We're gonna round that up to four dollars. That's twenty bucks a week. Yeah. You know, if you have one kid. Yeah, my and school that- lunch was like two fifty. Like, I don't know. School lunch is kind of expensive. Right? School lunch kind of is fucking expensive. But 235 I mean, so are their hoodies. Um, Canadians, explain yourselves. But, like, I can, like, I feel like there are plenty of parents who would struggle to pay that for lunch. And the, like, increase in costs, like, Come to the table and say, we found these areas where you could cut cost. Right. And by cutting cost, you could add five or you could swap out five or or ingredients for organic ones. But you're not offering that. No, I just feel like it's uh, like it's all or nothing with them. And they don't even think about like. You know, the fact that it might be less daunting to Radich and he might be more willing to kind of 
negotiate if you have multiple plans like okay if you you know if they want to just go in tears okay if you're not willing you know you feel like it's a big overhaul and too much money to try to change the entire menu like I said how about we offer this uh several ingredients so that we can make this dish ha- this many times a week and then you know we'll see how cost effective it is to you know, like stuff like that like try different tiers of and you're just trying to throw all this money at radish and like oh we can order all of this but like food and vegetable like vegetables um and fruit spoil they uh, they're right. very easily fucking spoiled especially when you buy in bulk and Well, I will say to her credit, you know, Emma was like, I understand that we can't expect no GM foods. Right. And like, I don't know. I think nearly impossible. (laughs) I think that Radich could have countered their offer, so to speak. He could have asked them to go back and do a little bit more um, in-depth research about Mm -hmm. how their specific, like maybe share with them what they have for a budget for the the calf and be like, okay, this is something that I care about that I do think our student body would care about. And it's important to us to try to, you know, hear what you guys are saying. Here's what we have. Try to make something work within these parameters and then we'll talk, you know, do the research based on what we have versus what you are trying to, you know, versus what you think we have or not aren't sure what we have. Right. Um, and I think there's just, there was way more of a dialogue that could have happened. And I think Radich was just, you know, fucking radicalized in a way by Emma's, um, by Emma's passion towards it. And she, and he just saw like a problem instead of, oh, okay, I can actually mollify her by just, engaging her on what she wants versus shutting her the fuck down because now that energy's got to go somewhere right (laughs) she's that that, she's a dog with a bone she's not sitting down she's not gonna be quiet she is going to try to you know get and especially you know you lit a little candle under her butt because you uh impeded on her freedom of speech and oh my goodness, she she you should know she loves an editorial for the fucking grapevine. You're lucky. She counts your days. Oh right, <laughs> like a slander. Well, a and slander she's giving corner. an interview to the fucking grapevine. Yeah, Ellie's on the grape. Now we you know it's canon. And now, uh, well, Ellie she becomes well. We're gonna cut that. Ellie is uh, interviewing um, Emma for the grapevine, and it's while she's picketing. <laughs> across the street at the bus stop and it's definitely i don't you've got to admire the tenacity i really think that that's probably my biggest takeaway from early emma and that's probably why i really like early emma right um in terms of that because like that's probably the biggest thing that they want us to know about her character is that she loves a a cause she's gonna fight for her right she's she's gonna fight for her right yes she is caroline And I just have a question about this calf because they need to get this timeline together. When Sheila does the whole propaganda. um, It's like your morning announcements just after Radich has been like. It's so pointed. But like literally Sheila's like um, fine providers of school lunches since 1999. Would it, is it, is this, and I know it's not the same building. But isn't Degrassi supposed to still be the Degrassi from the the classic? So shouldn't they have a longer history than just 1999? Um, 
Maybe, but cafeterias are run by like bigger companies. And so even in schools. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because like mine was, yeah, that's, I guess that's true. And I mean, yeah, I guess that is true. And so like whatever. So for her particular. Yeah. Cafco or. whatever it is i know like the school district in that i live in uses aladdin um because i used to be friends with a lunch lady (laughs) um i i definitely feel like and i mean like talk about this food fight this food fight is actually a little bit hilarious because emma you know assaults toby with about his fries (sighs) like you're eating and she's like looking at it like it's literally under a like a um, Those fries do fun, look you know, nasty. She's like, I bet it was grown in some lab, right? And like she looks like she wants to like throw up on it, and then she tosses it, and it hits Jimmy. <laughs> to <laughs> because be fair, Jimmy, because Toby and her, sorry, Toby and her, are like pulling over it, and right. she does still toss it. Like she's like, you know, fuck, here's your right. Like I mean, they're. It does happen sort of quickly. But But I feel like this is another one of those things like the Liberty rumor where like Emma is catching more flack than she deserves. Yeah. I think she so she didn't decide that she did not decide to start actively throwing food like purposefully throwing food. She accidentally dumped a tray of fries onto Jimmy. Right. So flung a right. So tray of if if the GM uh, foods are out of the equation, if Emma is just like clumsy Mm -hmm. and spills fries on Jimmy, and then a food fight follows, she's not getting detention or suspension for that. Yeah, she's getting it because she's been identified as someone that was inciting Mm -hmm. some some bullshit, which I don't. In this instance, I don't think it's accurate. I really think that what incited it was Jimmy getting irritated that his triple soul had been fucking ruined by cheese fries. And, you know, him he's the one who really started the food fight because then he throws it at Paige. And Paige is like, I'm going to get y'all. Nobody's getting out of here alive. Right. <laughs> And then throws it in Craig, and it's just a whole domino effect, and you know, it just breaks out. Have you ever been in a food fight? I haven't, thank God. Yeah, same. I did have a summer where I lived in a shitty apartment that we affectionately called the frat house. And sometimes (laughs) we had this like Costco tub of peanut butter that somebody's mom had bought when we all Mm -hmm. moved in. And Sometimes when we would get drunk, we would have peanut butter wars. Okay. But that's the closest (laughs) I've ever got. I don't know. Somebody, probably usually me, because I was an instigator at that point in my life. And I was like the only girl in a house full of boys. So it was very like, haha, look at me. You know. It was a new girl situation. I, I can't say. I've never seen it. Oh my gosh, Caroline. There's something about Zoe Deschanel. All right, well, here's the thing. I'm not going to disagree with you, but also watch the show for everybody else because Jess is just not the, you have, like how people talk about Orange is the New Black. And how it's not about Piper. It's not about Piper. Fuck Piper. It's same thing about- Did you read that book? 
I didn't, and I probably won't. But we did it's talk about so boring. Yeah, I the fact that I think my issue is that people just want to focus on because they realize in the first season of New Girl, oh, we're focusing on Zoe Deschanel on her character of Jess, and then they're like, no, everybody else is fucking hilarious, and like she's a good addition. And she's a good foil to a lot of their characters, but it's really best as a ensemble comedy. And they literally realize that the second season, because then they completely rework it and it's not about her anymore. So that's why I recommend people because it's like the, your least favorite person in an ensemble comedy, you know, is right. probably the main character. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's very, very fair. I will give it a chance at some point. I'm I'm it's blowing like through the show. Sopranos right now though, so I'm I've not never seen I've seen the, the finale of the Sopranos. I'm ends, really digging it. Everybody is horrible except for my Sopranos boyfriend who just left. His name was Furio and he was great. But he was in love with Tony's wife and he was starting to consider killing Tony about it, so he went back to Italy, and now Carmela is sad, and I am sad. Oh, my gosh. He made cheese. He made mozzarella. He was a master mozzarella maker. I can't. <laughs> anyway. It's a whole different can of worms, that fucking series. But, um... Yeah, I feel like, is there any more for this? Because I do, the only other thing I had was just Emma calling it Frankenstein food because I just felt it was so dramatic. And I mean, other than that, like, she's wearing the push me vest. Yeah, um, she. I did notice that. Yeah, no, I think we're good to move into fashion. Yeah. Oh, and I, oh, wait, I also did want to recommend, um, to bring up about how she's littering. Or at least she's commit. She's uh, with the flyers. With the flyers, she doesn't give a fuck about her carbon footprint. Printing out all those flyers that people are going to look at for two seconds and then discard. Even if they don't discard them in front of her face, it's likely they're going to throw them away. Right. And she doesn't give a fuck. Um, so that's it. I actually, I looking over my notes, I did write down. Sean had a line that I loved um, that doesn't really fit into like shots fired where Emma's talking to him about. GM foods and her protests and whatever and Sean's like the apples got fish stuff, in, fish them? stuff in them that's yeah. messed up and I love it and I love Sean being all like supportive boyfriend he's like don't let Radish shut you up yeah I actually really like first of all that 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 line stood out to me too I think apples got fish stuff in them like why do they have them talk like a fucking second grader it's funny um <laughs> But yeah, I don't, I think that that's, oh, and I did have, um, it's not official. I don't think he comes up again though, but a black hole. Did you catch it? Maybe, no. Jimmy's brother. Jimmy mentioned a brother? Yes. So in the beginning of the episode, um, when Jimmy and Marco are talking, um jimmy basically uh marco says would they adopt me would your parents adopt me and uh jimmy says they already have a, a they have another son that's spinner is that spinner? he's talking about spinner yeah girl are you sure positive 
I wrote it down because I'm like, he doesn't have a brother. No. So that even, okay, that cuts a little bit more deep than mm-hmm. he was considering him a brother. Well, that goes on to cut even more deep later on. But uh, yeah, no, I think that's as good a segue as any. <laughs> into the fashion corner. Yes, into the fashion corner. Your favorite corner. It is my favorite. Um. So I wouldn't say that I liked it, but I snapped a picture of Sean and Emma walking home from school, and Emma's wearing the life-saving puffy vest and another questionable hat. It's another, like, <laughs> fisherman-y bucket hat, but this time it's plaid, and it's, like, primarily blue and then, like, reddish-brown plaid. Choices yeah, for me. yellow in there, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. And then Sean is wearing his signature look, but over it, I love it's almost the end of the school year and they're dressed like it's the beginning. Um, but Sean is wearing his, you know, denim on denim. And it's possibly denim on denim on denim. Like, I think the <laughs> outer jacket is corduroy. I am fairly confident that it is oh corduroy. But not 100%. And if it's not corduroy, it's denim. Mm -mm -mm. And I mean, both are kind of within the realm of something he would wear. But I'd love me some corduroy, but damn, Sean, you need to get some style. Um, Okay, so for me, I have to point out the triple five. Again, I really literally, we've been calling it triple soul. I think you've been calling it triple soul. Oh, okay. I've been calling it triple soul because I just don't care to remember that it's triple five soul, which is a better name, but I don't think by that much. And that's why I don't remember it. No shade. I just literally, I like catchy names. It helps me remember. It's so funny for me because every time, like, I see it when it's got the three fives. My brain turns it actually into ha 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 because no, 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 no. Okay. So I have a Thai, we call her my Thai sister. My parents had an exchange student one year. And um, so I have a lot of Thai friends on Facebook. And instead of LOL, if they're LOLing, they type 555 because uh-huh. five in Thai, Thai is ha. Ah, gotcha. And so every time Triple Five Soul comes up for me, my brain turns it into Thai LOL. (laughs) That probably would make, that would be a little bit more catchy in my brain. But um, I swear with this outfit, this Triple Five Soul outfit, it's it's the most color we've seen Jimmy wear. And I do like the color of it on him. Um, It's a nice blue. Mm. Uh, I will. I, I'll say that I don't really care too much for the logo, but it again, does look well made. It looks well. Oh, it totally looks well made. Like the like the zipper, the like the um, where those little things, those um, strings that hang out that you can kind of use to adjust your hoodie. Those look thick and they like they won't disappear in the hoodie itself, which I despise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it definitely looks well made, and the way it fits him is looks like it's so comfy. I think we were talking about like if it's fur lined or whatever. Who knows? But it it's it's a nice look on him. I'm still he's still rocking the fro. Um, I've got Ellie's outfit when she's interviewing Emma. I'm not. 
I love a leather jacket on Ellie. I love a leather jacket on Ellie. The skirt is cute. She's doing that thing again with the, like, pants under the skirt. Yeah. And, and I get that it's cold skirt. out because it's almost the end of the year. Um, but it's, it's, it's a choice. And it I is a choice. don't love the, like, the crop top over the button up <laughs> is a choice. Oh, totally. I mean, she's going for it. She's going for it. Um, so for me, I have got uh, Paige during the food fight. She So I do like the fringe, but the color <laughs> is like, it's giving me Kermit the Frog. See, and I liked the color. I snagged I a screenshot of it initially. And then I saw the fringe, and I was like, "No." Oh, see, it's like I like green. I definitely I love like green. green. So it's like I haven't really met a shade of green that I don't like. Um, and then I saw the fringe, and I'm like, "Oh, so it's like you know, once again in her signature like midriff." Um, and then you've got the the brown pants, and I do think it's a cute outfit. Um, the probably my least favorite part of it is like the like anything that kind of ties in the front. Um, that's no, I'm 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 gonna stand by that. Anything that ties in the front, like it, it makes me think of like a nightgown and like my grandma, in the most like, in the way that I dress with my grandma. Like not even just talking <laughs> about her. Like, like I put on a nightgown too. Um, so it just it's that's probably my least favorite part. But I really do like the way the colors work together, and I'm sad that it gets covered in ketchup. Um, yeah. And other things, yeah. I also had Quan when they're walking into Quan's house, or not Quan's house, Quan's <laughs> class. And she looks so good. She's wearing that red top that's cute, but then also, yeah, her hair mm-hmm. looks amazing. Loved it. it Quan is a style icon. She says, fuck them kids and look at my outfit. She totally does. She hates these kids. Yeah, oh, she 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 really does. Like, she should not be a teacher for how much she hates these kids. But I will point out, um, Marco's Paisley shirt. Um, mm-hmm. And I at first, like, the color was just like, oh my gosh, Marco, like that doesn't do anything for your complexion. But I do like the print. You know, I like some Paisley, and I think it's just so obvious that he's um a homosexual because what straight ninth grade boy at this time right is has access or any desire to have access to paisley Mm -hmm. um did you have any other fashion um not for this episode okay me either so should we uh mosey on down from the corner to the other side of town where the shots are fired. Where the shots are fired. Pew 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 pew. pew, 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 pew. Shots fired. Um, my first one comes at the very top of the ep, or not the very top of the episode, but the very top, like after the credits, when they're walking into school and Emma's got her presentation, and JT goes, 
whoa, Emma's on the warpath. Better head for the hills. <laughs> um, so I have Jimmy in response to Spinner saying he's back to cassettes. Uh, sucks to be you. <laughs> and he snatches back his MP3 player. <laughs> it's it's so the scary. snatch, really. It's that... the snatch. Give it a bit. Um, and I have also whomever shot our dear Sheila mm-hmm. from that angle for that for that propaganda, that PSA. Um, how dare you? <laughs> how very dare you? I'm firing a shot at that. At the pew, pew. Um, and then I I think we did talk about it, but I've got to fire a shot just in general for Spinner at Spinner for selling the MP3 player for about a quarter of what it's worth and just not functioning uh, factoring it in in any sort of shipping and handling, any sort of like extra funds to cover that mm-hmm. nothing spinner what the fuck are you doing no critical thinking and then i also have um spinner in the response to spinner saying that jimmy is his best friend jimmy saying was um, <laughs> my other one is um jimmy when Sully shows up to buy the iPod and he finds out that, or the MP3 player, sorry, my bad, my bad, um, and <laughs> mentions the price and Jimmy just goes, wow, sounds like a steal. <laughs> and He's got zingers, man. He does have zingers. And with that, we can scooch on over to um, How Soon Is Now. Roses are red. Paige thinks she's started to heal. But then Dean shows up and shit gets real. Paige has been making great strides with her counseling. She's no longer blaming herself and is working diligently through her trauma. That is until the teams for the regional basketball tournament are announced and she learns Dean will be coming to Degrassi. With incredible courage and some help from her friends, Paige decides she deserves her day in court just as much as Dean deserves his. Also in this episode, Ellie is upset because her gay boyfriend, who she knows is using her as a beard, is gay and using her as a beard. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna... It seems to just kind of be our thing now that we cover B-plot first. Um, but we're definitely... We're gonna do that for this one because while not as triggering as Shout, this, one, this episode does cover sexual abuse, sexual assault, um, yes. so we're going to cover the B plot and then after the B plot, you know, we're going to be in segments and we're going to be rounding out the show, talking about super bummers, shining stars, that sort of thing. So after the B plot, um, if that content is not something that you can handle, um, skip right to the segment or not, not, not something you can handle, not something you Just want not to something subject you yourself want. to. Yeah, you're like, you're not in the right vibe. You're not in the right headspace, do you? And I think that it's completely important to not be upset by a podcast topic. You know, like if it's not your jam, we get it. Just skip ahead and, mm-hmm. and enjoy our segments. And we will do 
absolutely our darndest to keep it two segments and not go back into any deep dive. And that will ensure that you're not getting any of that triggering content after. But I do also think we're going to be talking about the content of this episode during the segments. So if you feel safer, just skipping ahead to next week after the B plot, like we support that we're here next week. Um, Okay, so this fucking B-plot. This is one of those episodes that is very much, like, why I hate Ellie. (laughs) I think it's just, like, such a revolving um, plot with these two. And it feels like an episode that we've done before. Every time I see these two, it's about Ellie wanting more than Marco can offer because Ellie suspects that Marco's gay. And then we inch a little forward. Ellie wanting more than Marco can offer because Ellie has been told that (laughs) that Marco's probably gay. (laughs) And like, it's just like, she, he didn't ask her to be his beard. She did that. She volunteered herself for that. And I get that it sucks. It's a shitty sham of a relationship that's completely unfulfilling, but like, you chose that. Yeah. And so like when she tries to kiss or when she kisses him and whatever, and he's like, you know, I can't. And she's like, can't or won't. Yeah. I was, I read and that then, down and I was like, what the fuck does that mean, Ellie? And I mean, I know what it means, but it's like, I think that she's hoping that through this pantomime and through this pretending of being in a relationship that he will realize that, he loves Ellie. I think that what Ellie feels like is that it doesn't like, she's not interested in his sexual. It's not about sexuality. It's like, do you like me? Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) I think that's what like, she thinks like if we're together enough, he will learn to like me. And he does like you just not like, he doesn't want to fuck you. He doesn't want to kiss you. And like, yeah, it sucks, but I don't really feel bad for you having a bad time in the situation that you put yourself in here. And it's like, you know, full well that this, that even if he hasn't arrived at um, fully being able to tell you that he's not confused anymore, he's hundred percent sure that he's gay, you know, that that's floating around. You just don't want to admit to yourself that this is probably what's going to end up happening. So you keep, making it like you don't know right oh i have no idea like you know this it could be anything you know it could be real blah blah blah, because people around me who don't know what i know literally like the only reason she feels like bummed and in her feelings is because people around her like fucking craig and ashley who don't know the situation are saying comments that are like oh you guys are cute together oh i love your relationship it's all fake why are you listening to them you know it's fake right right (laughs) and like i don't know it's just like sometimes a person gets themselves into a situation and like yes you can say you got yourself here but you still have sympathy or empathy or whatever about it this for me is not one of those times and i I have sympathy for, like, the fact that it's shitty to be 
a straight woman in a relationship with a gay man. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a good time, you know? Oh, no. My grandma did that, and know. it sucked. Even when you do, when you, and, like, I mean, like, I think that for Ellie, um, I really do think that she would have gone on as long as it took for some kind of spark, you know, like, romantic interest to spark. And I think that she was fully intending on waiting on that because she really likes Marco. If Dylan hadn't come along, they'd be married now. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, And I I just, I mean, like, Marco is such a sweet guy. And I think that there is a natural chemistry between them. I do think that they work very well together. I think that they have a good rapport with each other as characters. But I do think that there is just this obvious disconnect of Ellie from who he really is. Like, it's like she's not seeing him. It's like she's just seeing what she wants to see. And I don't know how... I don't know how she just doesn't like uh, hop on board with him being gay without even <laughs> needing like, you know, like I think right. that she's just so blinded by the affection that she's just like seeing things that can't be possible because he's so, he's so gay. He's and so I mean, gay. Like, and then she, uh, you know, consciously moves away from the more theater, you know, campy sort of flamboyant aspect of, their perfume project which i side note that it's a very interesting project that simpson gives very them. interesting and like that has tears and phases that you move into mm-hmm. like it's a, he's it's like a semester long a, project and that's pretty impressive like an undertaking to like to you know to have multiple groups of students move through different phases and you know keep track of all that he must really like geek out about that but it's definitely like you could tell how stoked he is that they are coming up with such a good um strong you know concept and then that they're ready to move into actually shooting their concepts so it's a really cute project that they're doing they come up with this perfume called duo duet um, and duet sorry duet because they write duet thank you share your like the tagline yeah it's like it's actually a good tagline Mm -hmm. and it's an interesting product and like i love a good unisex scent yeah i could see that being something that people would remember and want to buy like duet that's a it's i mean it's personally i just think that they work very well together and their concept when they're pitching it to snake is really cute like they're just so excited and Mm. i i really like this version of them it's like when ellie is not thinking too much about things when she's actually just letting things happen and not trying to enjoying spending time with this person who she clicks with right like it doesn't have like every person that you click with and i feel like it must be said every person that you click with you don't have to have sex with like well required like some people have like soulmates that are platonic some people have soulmates that you know like this is your person but maybe that's not the person that you honestly honestly if you like are paying attention you have so many soulmates yeah and most of them are not at all romantic. Right. Like, 
the love of my life, quite frankly, is a little like 60 year old Thai woman I used to work with named Yet. And <laughs> we don't speak the same fucking language. Yeah. But like, I see her out some sometimes and we have this whole thing where I yell hello in Thai and she runs over to me and I run over to her and we're both running slow because I'm fat and she's old, but we get there and we hug and we jump up and down and we shout my friend, my friend, and we make hearts with our hands and like. That's so cute. That's adorable. It is one of the most fulfilling relationships that I have ever ever had in my life that woman is my soulmate like and my husband is my soulmate and like there are so many ways to love and be loved right and you know I mean but Ellie's a teenager with an alcoholic mom and a dad who's not always around because he's in the military and and like we don't know this yet but we know this we don't right well you know if you're if you're watching along for the first time you might not but this is a 20 year old show right i'm sorry there's gonna be spoilers but um i think that it's like ellie's also just like and most adolescents they're not considering that like there's only sort of one sort of love and i think it takes a while to unlearn like what we're shown on tv is superior love you know, that is, it's romantic love that is just shown to us as like, oh, if you're not in a serious relationship by this time, then you're a, you know, a failure. But I think there's actually a great romantic, um, like, you know, just the notion, the romantic notion that, you know, you can meet so many people that you'll never have a physical sort of intimate based relationship with, that that doesn't mean that you, it's not such a enriching, right. fulfilling, Shit. life altering relationship i am sure that at least one of my soulmates is like some drunk girl i'd never met before and never saw again that i had a moment with in a bathroom in a bar in my early 20s those people that's it's always where you meet those women and then you never see them again right it's It's like like, oh it's like those friends you make on vacation when you're a Mm -hmm. kid and like you meet a girl at the hotel pool who's around your age and you guys have the best like four hours of your young lives yeah and then you never see her again but you always remember that feeling Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely but like and and they have that they ellie and and marco have that long lost friend energy Mm -hmm. where they're just they're so good as friends and they mesh so well and it's just a shame that like they have these bumps and I do, I do appreciate Ellie's reaction to it for everything at the, like, I think that um, for me, I can relate to this back and forth of, okay, obviously we we're having a similar conversation all the time, like consistently, but I can relate to her needing that hard no, that truth oh, smacked absolutely. in her face. And she's like that door slammed shut. It's like, I think that's why I have a theory of that's why a lot of people go back to their exes because some people have ex like relationships where it wasn't like a hard, no, the door wasn't slammed in their face that you mm-hmm. weren't thrown out on the curb. You weren't cheated on. You weren't defamed. Okay. Like there's still, there's still right. a chance right. I wasn't ousted. So I think that. See, and that's why that I've always no. like burned a bridge. 
Oh, I mean, and I think it's good to burn a bridge sometimes because then you're like, yeah, that's just, we're just not going back. Like, honestly. And I mean, you can't really truly go back anyway. So it's, it's never going to be what it was. Right. And up until my husband, like, they were all such bad choices that like burning the bridge (laughs) was the smartest move. Oh, totally. I would not I don't want know anybody what I, like, that I previously had. If I ever get divorced, like, it'll be me. the first time that I stay friends with an ex because I'm not, like, it would be like, I can't not hang out with you. Who am I going to yeah. watch Survivor in the Challenge with, bruh? Totally. My, my parents have that relationship. They literally got together to watch the have and the have nots all the time like and that was like a a tyler perry show i'm not sure if you've heard of it but Mm -mm. tyler perry has all of these saga like shows on bet and i just never got involved because i'm like these meandering ass plots i have no time but they were so into it It was like it was football which they both love and i you know it's nice to be able to be friends with your ex and i always admired that in them i'm like i always admired that they were great friends Mm -hmm. you know despite everything else um and i just think that for ellie it's I, I appreciate that she's not that she's just sad at the end of everything that she you can know she you can tell she's sad but I don't think I think that she understands now mm-hmm. because she's been given that hard no and we'll always just be friends and I think she needed to say that out loud because it's something that she's been thinking you know like right. I worry we'll always just be friends I worry that he's you know we'll never be together we'll always just be friends and to hear and for her to be the one to say that I think it's just like yeah she's sad but she's not it's clear that she's not going to give up the friendship that she has with Marco because of this And I think that's evident in her reaction of being like, well, damn, but like, I'm not, she's not angry. She doesn't lash out at him. She's just like, but also don't they keep dating for a while? They do. But I think it just, now it's less of um, her, her tone shifts. I do recall that she's, she kind of turns a corner where she gets a little bit like, you know, her emotions are different um, because, you know, we have two more episodes of this season and, uh, spoiler alert ellie and um, marco they're not really the focus so we don't really get more of them until next season and i think ellie turns a corner next season where she kind of gets a little bit frustrated and like you know exhausted with the whole affair dynamic thing that she's got going on but yeah she's not she's because i think she's just wanting to protect him still even though you know she yeah. knows that it's simply that's the only reason that she's in it is because well, of him i will keep an eye out for that next season you can't because your mission <laughs> on this <laughs> podcast is to see the worst of miss ellie miss eleanor nash miss eleanor nash and i and i mean i definitely found myself being a little bit more annoyed with her when she changed up their project and you know turned it into this like matrix matrix esque sort of like i don't know it didn't make it was, sense it, it to have really it odd. just be marco for on a duet. ladder for a duet yeah it was completely odd and you could tell that she was just trying to um just strip it of any of the personality that they had both put it in uh, put right. into it which is just like okay but that's just going to tank your project. I don't know what your goal is here. But I mean, and then she, of course, reveals that she's not going to, 
you know, it's better, this concept is better than some flaming. And then, you know, she sees his reaction to that word. And I mean, I think that it's probably important if most, if people haven't heard that phrase before, because I don't know if it's as popular now as it was when we were younger. Um, Not to say, I feel like it's still kind of an inflammatory word, but my um, understanding of it was like the iteration uh, flamer that was more of something that Mm -hmm. people around me used. Like they would call. Yeah. I feel like that was the more like common, more derogatory term. And then like, I don't know. I feel like the term, like just like flaming homosexual would be used sometimes. Right. And my recollection of flaming is, it is a very specific kind of gay. Right. And, and like, Frankly, I don't think that Ellie meant it maliciously. Mm-mm. And like, it was, yeah, it was, it's it, not. Honestly, it was more of an adjective, you know. Yeah, than, it's than not inaccurate. It's not an, an, an inaccurate description of what what Marco has presented. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's you and I have talked about. Um, and I say this knowing that, like, I, I'm i not super queer to begin with. I'm a little mm-hmm. queer. Um, <laughs> but I'm not super queer to begin with. And even if I were, I don't speak, like, the LGBT community is not a monolith and I can't speak for them and make decisions <laughs> and, like, whatever. And, like, so it's not a word that I use in this way. But I feel like... It would be nice if we could reach a point where gay could be used as an adjective and not a pejorative because, like, that commercial is gay. And it's not a bad thing, but that commercial is gay. That would just be a complete, like, um, subversion of the whole... When you say that's gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Right? That would be like me saying, that's so... (laughs) Girl with what is that fucking Hillary Duff commercial? <laughs> Girl with a, a whatever top. <laughs> yeah. Girl with a dumb top or a stupid top or whatever it is. Or, but yeah, yeah, no, and it's like, and it's not, it's not at all what I'm envisioning. And unfortunately, we can't trust other people to fucking use it that way. And so that's where we are. Thanks, America. But what I'm envisioning is it not being a pejorative and it just being a like, like certain things are gay. If they were a human being, they would probably be a gay man or a lesbian. Like, (laughs) and that's fine. It's totally fine. Oh wait, actually, I I have the I have the commercial and I have to watch. Hang on, it's, okay. it's been years. Okay. okay. Really? Yeah, it's totally gay. You know, you really shouldn't say that. Say what? Well, say that something's gay when you mean it's bad. It's insulting. What if every time something was bad, everybody said, oh, "That's so girl wearing a skirt as a top." <laughs> oh, you are. <laughs> Those are cute jeans, though. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. I'm going to need a picture of the skirt as a top for the socials, please. I've got it. And it's fun. First of all, it's so funny. 
<laughs> that her friend's like, oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> I could... Oh, gosh. <laughs> we did, and I mean, the funny thing is it kind of could pass as like a, a fucking shirt that's popular at this time. Those bandeau. Yeah, fucking, but no, that's a skirt. It's that's totally a skirt, a skirt. It's totally um, a skirt, young lady. But yeah, oh, wow. don't say gay to say that things are bad okay and if everybody could just follow that word that rule then we could use gay to describe things that are gay like figure skating yes and i love figure skating i think it's the best thing in the world it's super gay it's sequins and dancing on ice and spandex and spandex it's like so showy let it be gay (laughs) Let it be gay. Let things be gay. 2024. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. And I, I must say that uh, we get the first sight of or mention of uh, Marco's mom's cooking mm-hmm. in, um, in the, the eggplant parm that he brings Ellie, which prompts Ashley to just, you know, of course, talk about how perfect he is and how perfect their relationship is and throws fucking ellie into a spiral but yes we've got the mention of the parm which presumably which i evidently we see we see the container there's there's pasta sauce in there okay there, i mean so it's we, parm. there's gonna be pasta there's sauce. gonna be there's gonna be pasta sauce it's it's in there we're we're in the universe where that is now an existing thing and it's sweet people. that, like, I don't know, Marco is sweet. Like, if you're gonna have a gay fake boyfriend, Marco's a good brings one. you veggie parm as a veg, you know, like, or veggie parm, eggplant eggplant parm. parm. Like, that it's it, when done right. Enough parm is oh, really dude, good. I love a good eggplant parm. I am not mm-hmm. a vegetarian, but I will it's, fuck up some eggplant parm. It's definitely yeah. It, it hits when, and I mean, enough for to share and have girl talk. Like, right? That's so thoughtful. That's I so would keep thoughtful. me a Marco just for that kind of vibe. Like, just bring me food, and then like enough to share with my friend, and then give me space to have girl talk with. Like, um, thank you. Are you gonna like book a spa day too? Like, I, I had know, one of those, great. and <laughs> they were great. Their name was something else then but now their name is artemis and they didn't bring me eggplant parm but they would bring me snacks and they would also bring me like mushrooms Mm -hmm. so like yeah get you an awesome gay friend who loves you and will bring you eggplant parm Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think that's just the the takeaway from the b plot to be fair yeah that's just the takeaway um but I mean, Ellie, it's, I think Ellie is an understandable character, but the frustration comes for me with the pettiness because she acts like she doesn't understand what's going on and that Marco's the enemy. And it's like, girl, Marco lets you know what's up. When people show you who they are, believe them. Thank you. And like, yeah, Marco hasn't flat out been like, I am 100% gay yet because Marco's been figuring that out. Right. And not only does Marco have to figure that out, but then you also have to figure out like the implications of being like, hey, world, this is me. I'm a I'm gay. Like, yeah, especially at this time. It's not easy. And I mean, he there's a lot of self hate. Like, I think in any 
period really i mean i don't think it's stopped i like folks that are queer they're coming out like like is it like it has the self-hatred and like the shame has it receded because i i just felt there's a lot of self like of shame you've got to unpack especially during this time but now i mean right. when i came out that i there was still like geez like you know as a woman who likes women like is this something and it's just a completely it's something you got to wrap your head around even if you are standing in it like this is how i feel I, you know there's not an alternative for me but damn it's a lot to unpack right well and like i i mean i don't know i'm not a kid thinking about coming out right now i think that like right on one hand we live in fucked up times on another hand like social media is this really weird thing where it is a horrible cesspool mm-hmm. and the most beautiful place in the world right you know like there's so much community that wasn't available 20 years ago 10 years ago mm-hmm. you know and there was a lot more of like being afraid of being out like on in a public space because there was just a lot of like, and I think that there's less of uh, of a thing now, especially since people literally film their lives online now mm-hmm. that, you know, oh, okay, your employer is going to be looking and seeing your social media and you don't want to blast all that, blah, blah, blah. That's what they were telling us 10 years ago. So it's like, I do feel like there was more of a reservation of like, okay, I'm not going to be like, this is not for community. This is for networking. This is for blah, blah, blah. Like there. And I mean, having that space to just like, even because it's so important if you live in a a place that doesn't have a queer community, like Mm -hmm. I was just lucky to be, you know, up and coming in my, my late teens, early twenties near a hub, like, you know, a city hub where I got, the exposure of you know having a queer community and that was within reach but you know if you live in certain parts of the country certain parts of the world that's just not available for you right it's not tangible and you don't you might not know another gay person so to have the internet as a resource today is i think extremely it's less like people are less um separated Mm -hmm. by their location and it's more about okay you know if you have wi-fi access then you can kind of do whatever and like connect with anybody right and and there's a lot of there's a lot of shitty stuff that can come with that but there's also a lot of great resources and like Mm -hmm. a lot more opportunities for kids to not feel alone when they live in a small community where they don't know any gay people or maybe they do but their family's homophobic and you know whatever the case may be yeah and i think that like marco's pro like it's it's not that he doesn't live near uh like a like in a city where you know there are different kind of people and everything i think it's just still the time where people being out and and proud about being gay was just not as common in this in the mainstream Mm -hmm. or even amongst kids It wasn't. It was, like, we were, like, at the beginning of a turning point. Because you had, like, Queer Eye, I think, was out. The first Queer Eye was out around that time. 
I yeah. feel like Queer as Fuck was out around that time too. <laughs> queer as Fuck. I, I know it's folk, but I'm going to pronounce you it said fuck, fuck forever. Forever. <laughs> gotcha. Um, which, side note, shout out to Hal Sparks, because that man's, like, giddy, love-struck face is beautiful. Um, but, like, we were starting to see it more mainstream, you know, and there were had shows Ellen come like... Out? Did Ellen come out yet? Not yet. Yes. No, Ellen had come out because I remember I don't remember like how old I was but I know I had to have been kind of young when Ellen came out because I heard about it Mm -hmm. on the radio they were talking about it and that people were up in arms because during filming Ellen had come out of the closet and I didn't know what that term meant and so I thought that Ellen had like um, and I think they had even said, like, come out of the closet saying she was gay. And so, like, I pictured Ellen, like, you know, playing a prank, hiding in a closet and then bursting out of it and being like, I'm gay. And I didn't understand oh. why everybody was so upset. And so I feel like I feel like Ellen came out when I was in, like, no older than third grade. 97. Yeah. So that's about then that's like second grade i think for me Mm -hmm. i was um i was three (laughs) um but yeah no i mean you had ellen was out you know you had shit you had some i don't know that there was a lot of like mainstream like gay man media but like you had some lady love movies even if it was only ever like implied but like fried green tomatoes gay as fuck the color purple gay as fuck fuck. you gotta read the books you gotta read the books to get really how gay they are but both of those are fucking gay and it's awesome um i remember my mom took me to see this movie once boys on the side Mm -hmm. um which was like mary louise parker and Whoopi goldberg and then Whoopi's goldberg's best friend who was played by drew barrymore which i don't understand what universe that is but it was a thing Mm. wow and there's a little bit of murder and mary louise parker has hiv and then she and Whoopi goldberg fall in love it's beautiful like like, a wild ass ride and a beautiful wild ass beautiful tragic you know because gay people gotta have tragic love but it was the nineties. It can oh my like but oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, I'm so sorry. I'm on such a tangent and I feel like we're gonna have to cut so much shit and it's all my fault. Um No, it's fine. We'll be all right. This the is how it always goes, right? The tangents are not difficult to cut. Um but I will bring us <laughs> I, I will I will bring us back to the analog just to say that I do miss um Oh damn it! No, that's for that's for pages. Never mind. Um, what I was saying at some point though was that like yes, it was becoming more acceptable, and I think in a lot of ways, for as much pushback as there is right now, social media has made the world smaller in a way where there's more community and people maybe hopefully feel safer coming out or at least safer being who they are. Um, right. But Marco not being ready to come out is fine. Yeah. And I mean, he's still, he came out to you. He comes out to Ellie and Ellie finally gets her answer. And I think that, um, 
I think that the journey was a long one, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that they've arrived here at Ellie's full understanding that they will just always be friends. Um, I think it's a good cap to their sort of arc over the season. You know, yeah. it's a natural event. Cause it, I feel resolved not, enough to go into summer. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, let it ruminate over the summer, shake it up, see what happens. I do Come like, home. I'm, I'm noticing now that you've said it, like I'm thinking over the last, like this, I guess this last episode and like, they have started kind of resolving plot lines and everything. And like, yeah, we got the structure. It's like it's, it's cute. I like it. Up. Yeah, we're we're just gathering everything. And it's up still leaving the... stuff open enough that I'm like, what's gonna happen next season? Because mm-hmm. I feel like it doesn't know. really leave with like some huge cliffhanger, right? No. And From I like I've, that. No, no. Yeah, this no. The season does not end on like a cliffhanger. It's just we get a lot of resolution, and I think that that's why like us talking about the last couple episodes, like um. Uh, fucking dressed in black, uh, relax, um, message in a bottle, mm-hmm. hot for teacher. Like these, those fucking four, those were all filler episodes. <laughs> like, I wouldn't basically. call message in a bottle, a not message episode. in a bottle, not or no, oh, right, not message in a bottle, but uh, dressed in black. Uh, somewhat somewhat but like they're not they're they're episodes that kind of in terms of the plot structure they inch us toward where we need to go yes they are essential because they're another sort of notch in the timeline we need this to continue to establish this but this is not an episode where you're going to get the payoff of these storylines you're just going to get continuations and inches and maybe even some just background you know view of the character not in a storyline but you're not getting the full like any payoff until these last couple episodes right um like even seeing craig in the background of this episode um and seeing ashley in the background of this episode we just resolved major plot lines with ashley in dressed in black and you know we just saw um craig in uh drive Mm-hmm. That's the last time we saw him going through some shit. So, like, uh, I would argue we saw Craig going through some shit and dressed in black. It wasn't the primary focus, but oh, right, we did right. We just did dressed in black. So, right, that's how it's a teed up, teeing up for the end. I mean, that was Craig's tee up because we had drive and then a couple more episodes after that, mm-hmm. and then yes, dressed in black. So we need to remind you that Craig is still here and going through some shit, and we're gonna get to him. But it's definitely like they're wrapping up the season. They want to let you know that you're getting the payoff and like we're we're showing you what the culmination of a couple episodes with uh, and I Ellie like, and Marco are going to result in. And like I don't know, I like that. I like that like and I feel like it changes at some point, but early Degrassi really like it goes there, but it's not some like shock factor, like let's suck you in, let's keep you hanging on. You know, the school year wraps up and they did it last season too, where like, yeah, there's a bit of a cliffhanger of like, Ashley just blew her entire life up. How's that going to play out? But it's not, you know, Ashley blew her life up and Paige got in a car accident and you know, whatever other fucking things. And I like that. It, 
for as sensationalized as Degrassi can be, there are these ways that they keep it real that I really appreciate that like the end of the school year is not a big cliffhanger. It's like, hopefully some of y'all get some resolution to shit and it probably won't be full resolution. And I mean, as it shouldn't be, because like, you know, we know that we're going to continue to follow these characters. Like we want to get just enough resolution that like they are progressing, like they're moving forward but we're not getting any sort of like, oh, they're going to be like any sort of like payoff of what their future is going to be like. Like, no, we still have these kids are still in school. Like we still mm-hmm. have a lot of time for them to fuck up, break their life back down and have to build it back up again and this and that and go through right. this and that and the third. So there's just so much more that they like. It's just going through all of this shit with these characters and there's more to come kind of Mm -hmm. thing it's like just wait it's like they've gotten over this hurdle but then you also you do have resolution come through because there is also the reality of like end of the school year means three months of not seeing each other every fucking day unless that's what you're actively choosing to do do. and and so you do you want to like yeah, get some stuff out and get some stuff out and see where you stand. Um, Absolutely, and I think that's exactly what Ellie's doing. She's she it's it's hitting ahead. She knows that like this is their, you know, one of her final chances to to kind of get in and understand what she's doing with Marco. Well, especially because I just thought of this, but like when you're that age, like if you're going into summer with a boyfriend and like. Ellie wants to, like, at least hit a couple of bases, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's more time to do that in the summer. Oh, my God. Because people's parents are home. I remember I had my, like, best friend growing up. um, In hindsight, she sucked, but whatever. Her mom would not allow her to hang out with boys after dark. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, okay, parent how you're going to parent, but that always seemed dumb to me. Like, if I were going to pick a time of day when my kid couldn't hang out with the opposite sex, it would be during business hours when there are empty houses all mm-hmm. over the town that they can be fucking in. Right. But, you know. <laughs> That's just you. That's just me. Um... But yeah, I think this is a good time to kind of segue into the A-plot and just once again, I mean, well, you know, Caroline, are you good? Do you have anything yeah, no, to I'm good. add here? So um, at this time, you know, if you want to skip to the segments, you're free to do that. Um, like we said, we can't, there, there still will be some light discussion of Paige's storyline so if it's not your jam entirely please you know feel free to bow out and we'll see you next week um but other than that let's slide on into the a plot of how soon is now and you know talk about miss Paige michael chuck and her fucking girl boss confrontation of the living turd that is dean Love Paige in this episode. Love Lauren Collins' acting in this episode. I love it because they let Paige be Paige. 
and mm-hmm. it's still it's like it's such a episode where she's got her zingers and she's still you know got her mouth of coming at people and, right. and talking shit but she's also going through a lot of like you know just real time flashbacks of her um of her assault and being triggered constantly by dean's proximity and it's crazy that she's still able to it's so inspiring that she's still able to be herself and like Mm -hmm. that she's having these moments where she's actively freezing and like having a fight or flight scenario and it's she's still able to kind of you know, and I think it maybe it's partially her coping mechanism of like of that control over herself. But I also think that because she's talking with Miss Sove, that she's kind of getting back to herself in mm-hmm. a comfortable way. Like she's embracing the negative feelings about the assault, but she's also, you know, able to kind of like re like restructure herself. Yeah, and and say like this isn't another thing that I'm going to, that like, you don't get to take this from me. Right. And no pages progress is really good. I mean, there's some backsliding obviously when she's like, Oh, I don't need to keep coming to counseling. Um, But that's, that's the normal progression of these things, you know, totally. And I think it's very, it's like, I think it's, this is probably one of the, like, I mean, obviously, I think this is maybe like one of the first episodes where we're getting a continuation of an actively traumatic occurrence in right. the character's life. Like, Paige is still, like, she's getting these flashbacks like it just happened. And it's still affecting her like it just happened. And, and it's kind of like a, an ebb and flow of, like, okay, I feel really good about this. Like, I feel, like, at this point that I don't need this much dwelling on what happened and everything. And then it's showing that it is a process. Like, you might, things might come up and you might be triggered and, you know, things might happen that really do set you back. And it doesn't mean that it's anything that that is a failure or anything that you should feel like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not progressing the way I want, but it's, it's like a process, like every single um, bump in the road, you Mm -hmm. know, I think it's, it's nice that they're giving that opportunity for that continuation. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, One of the things that I love about this episode, too, is that I think it's yet another example of Paige. Paige is ultimately a good person because Dean shows up and she feels defeated. it's, It's after Dean showed up. She finds out that Hazel you know, insinuated to Spinner that it wasn't consensual and that Spinner didn't buy it. Right. And Paige feels defeated and she wants to leave and she gets up to do so. And like, I don't blame her. It is always great to see somebody fight for themselves. I also like sometimes you're too tired or sometimes the payoff is not worth 
what you have to give for that fight. And like, I totally respect that as well. And I admire being able to say like, no, this isn't, this is a fight that I'm going to walk away from because yelling about it's not going to bring me peace. Right. Um, but then she sees him talking to Manny. Yeah. And oh my God, can we talk about this? Yes. Because literally, Manny girl, you got beanie babies in your locker, boo. And that man, he's a man. He's got a beard. Right. And you are like, I mean, obviously she's in her, you're just jealous era. But the fact that it's, and I mean, it's obviously supposed to be just a mirror of how she was just inept and didn't heed the other girl's warning. Although we did discuss in that episode that that was not a very good. No. It was not a very good warning. But Pages was and a lot better. Don't be alone Pages with him. Was, Somebody yes, warned Pages me about him once a, and I should have listened. I should have listened. Yes. And Pages is a lot. And I definitely, it's like, I like that they give her the opportunity to say all that because it, I kind of hate when shows do the thing where they're like, oh, simple communication could just solve this. But instead I'm going to have them like talk around it or get interrupted or mm-hmm. not say what they really want to say. But like Paige gets to say what she wants Well, to and say. she doesn't say, you know, she doesn't doesn't say explicitly and directly because like right that's hard and she's not there yet she's doing a lot of work she's not there yet she gets there in this fucking episode though um but like she she gives a clear message she says exactly what she what she doesn't know how to just directly say in a very clear concise way but you know but manny is young and mm-hmm. just starting to be used, like, to notice yeah. boys noticing her. Right. And, saying, like, he just came up to me. Like, she doesn't know that she is attractive. Right. <laughs> right. She's cute. She's she knows cute. she's cute. Right. But, like, not in the way that boys are wanting you know, right. to approach her and, like, engage her and in conversation like exactly she's not on that level yet but she's getting there Um, i think that like i think that dean probably talked to manny because she's obviously the youngest person on the team mm -hmm. and i don't think that he has any direct knowledge that they like Paige knows you know like he knows Paige knows her but i don't think he's doing it to get any rise out of Paige. i just think he's a creep I think he's a creep. I think he also, though, I don't know, because, like, fuck Dean already, obviously. Horrible, horrible guy, rapist, piece of shit. He goes without saying. Yeah, he's he's super piece of shit. But, like, okay, you come to her school, like, do I love it? No. Do I expect you to have, like, respect her safe havens no you didn't respect her fucking body right and it's a it's a tournament like you're a high school athlete i get that serious shit and you can't just like get them to change the venue so whatever you gotta be there Mm -hmm. fine but like he goes out of his way repeatedly yeah to fuck with her to fuck with her and it's just like And that's what I love is like Paige ultimately decides because he is, he's, he's trying to violate her again. Yeah, he is. He is trying to take more from her. 
Yeah. And trying to humiliate her now and make her feel like it's all her fault. Like it's not enough to have assaulted her, but now you've got to physically, mentally fuck with her and make her think that everything you did to her was her fault. And this time around, she's in the issues in the position where like she has the ability to stop it. And she does, and it's a struggle and she wants to walk away and she walks away again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, can we, like the fact that he pursues her in the hall, like he's um, that the first time we see him, he's uh, outside of the bus um, that he just got off of on the front steps of Degrassi and Paige basically walks by him. Like she's trying, she's not trying to engage with him and he notices her and he's like spirit, which is the disgusting name that he calls her because I genuinely don't think he remembers her fucking name. Mm -mm. And um, he pursues her and Hazel into, after she says, this is my school and I don't, want to talk to you or see you know i don't want to interact with you i don't want to see you and she walks away from him and he follows her and in this scene it's disgusting but i did notice that they're playing um poor things instrumental um in that scene uh i noticed it by the guitar riff because it's got a great guitar i have to go back and Um, check for that because that's awesome yeah and it's i mean i think that it's just like trying to illustrate just how much this is an antagonist and how much he is feeding off of her hesitancy toward him, her genuine fear mm-hmm. and her of like placing boundaries and him like being like, Oh, you're placing a boundary. Well, fuck your boundary. I'm just going to step all over that. Like, I don't give a fuck about your boundaries. Like it's so. And it's so, the like the audacity of it. Like, There are people that I have wronged. There are people that I, to whom, like, there have been points in my life and relationships in my life where I have been a toxic person. And at no point would I go to, like, the safe haven of someone who I have been shit to And make that much effort to continue being horrible to them. Yeah. And I just, I can't fathom being that kind of person. Oh, neither can I. And I think it must take some sort of like untapped, like wicked energy because I just definitely don't understand what you get from terrorizing a person. And I mean, that's what he's doing in this episode is he's just being... He's being inescapable. Like she can't find any safe port from him. He's just always there. Like she turns around and he's just there in her, in her, where somewhere where she walks and and goes every day. And now she's going to have to be reminded of seeing him everywhere in this fucking school. Right. Even when, you know, even after this episode where she reclaims her power against him, there is still that like trauma of him being all over this fucking school, not giving a fuck about anything really about like her boundaries, her privacy, her comfort, like Mm -hmm. nothing. And it's just so it's like being violated all over again, all over again. It's it's like, obviously, it's not the same. It's not quite as drastic, but it's like him like walking into her home and like plopping down on her bed with his shoes on. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's, 
it's it's hard to watch. It's gross and it's violating and it's hard to watch. And like she almost like she almost lets it break her a couple of times and it's right. Which it's is so understandable. So understandable. Oh, I, I don't blame like her the, for one I, second. Yeah, and I think that's why she's such a superstar because we would so understand if, you know, someone who assaulted you is is literally antagonizing you in a place that you should feel safe and you should feel like you have, you know, a reprieve and you are not getting any room to breathe and you're getting repeatedly, like, you know, just taunted. And, like, I think that there's just something to be said for, like, a ninth grade girl being able to like say like no like i'm not doing this with you like you are going you did something wrong Paige is brave as fuck and strong as fuck in this episode yeah and it's beautiful to see and as much as it's hard to see her like struggle through it Mm -hmm. it's beautiful to see and you're like you know fuck yes like yeah live your life stand up for yourself do this like killing it she's doing so much better than she knows right and i think it's like all while like you know having the courage to still be yourself because i think that there's such a narrative around like what the perfect victim is and what victimhood looks like and what survivorhood looks like and what is allowable and what is socially acceptable and i think that's why Paige is such a great person for this like narratively for this to um you know to go through because being um a rape victim can be such a polarizing and like some like people want to put you in a box where you can only you know like what were you wearing what were you doing like what did you do to bring it on and everything Mm -hmm. and all that goes to you you have to be as pure and chaste as possible you have to be as mild and then it is still your fault and it's still your fault and so the fact that Paige is like no fuck you i'm gonna still wear my midriff i'm gonna still curse out these people who are peasants around me because you know everybody needs to be told about themselves like i'm still gonna be on my spirit squad i'm still Mm -hmm. gonna gonna be me and i and i love that you know even with her not be you know having fully reclaimed her power she's still trying to live her life right and you know it's 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 great Paige is great throughout the storyline and like i had something and i lost it i do (laughs) i love though like in the beginning when she's in counseling and she's like reading the letter that she wrote that she's never going to send, you know, that therapy thing. And she's like, I made a mistake going upstairs with you, but you made a choice. Right. And like, that's huge. Like, yes. If she had it over to do over again, she wouldn't go upstairs with him, but she didn't do anything wrong. Like, And I mean, like, I think we were talking about that in Shout, like, how many times have we done things, both of us, between both of us, like, that could have resulted in our assault? And I think there's actually, I've I've seen a campaign, or it was a campaign, and then I think there was also an, an article that I read that it was saying similar things, like, the only reason that these something didn't happen to me in these scenarios was because there was not a rapist there. Right. That is the only reason. It's not because of my behavior right. or the it, it's because there was not a rapist there. 
Right. Like Paige could have gone upstairs and made out and 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 been felt pa- up or whatever she wanted to do. With Spinner. With, with, and it would have been a complete like the same choice that Paige made to go upstairs with a completely different result because Spinner is not a rapist. Right. And it's just so like I think when you flip it and look like look at it from that viewpoint, it's just like and then taking it like and then looking at it from that viewpoint because of what is supported by what Paige said, like you made a choice. Like people choose to be rapists. You right. know, we make so many choices a day. We make a choice to get in the car and go get coffee. We make a choice to take this route instead of this route. We make a choice to put on these socks instead of this like all of our choices, you know, if we want to victimize and blame or if we want to devilize people and say, oh, your choices are what led to you being assaulted. We make so many choices a day. What choice are you talking about? Right. Like, <laughs> like it's like people I could literally pass out somewhere half dressed and, you know, because I had too much to drink and not be assaulted because there was not someone there who chose to assault me. Exactly. Exactly. And like... Yes, if you want to take a very, like, narrow and, like, pedantic yet rudimentary look at things, like, yes, if Paige hadn't chosen to go upstairs, she wouldn't have gotten raped that night. Right. But, but also, it's, that's not the choice that leads to it. It is Dean's choice to rape her. Right. That leads to the rape. Right. And, you know, he could have gotten her outside. He could have, like, it's, fuck everything. Fuck everything. And, like, it is so... Like, living your life like that, and I mean, as a woman, I think that there is definitely a level of surveillance that you always tend to have. Of like, okay, I have my keys in my hand. If I'm walking across the parking lot at night, if and if I need to use them as a weapon, which or, isn't like, even actually useful. It's not useful. It's not like even if I have like a mace, like you know, which I do try to carry mace. You know, like getting a hold of that in in a crazy situation and having that like you know popped and ready to go and not squirt yourself. Like it's a lot to be on surveillance all the time, and even right. those like being all high and hyper vigilant is exhausting. And if you have never experienced, you know, if you're not someone who is. Um, feminine presenting or you know feminine identifying there are there's definitely not that level of threat that I think that you would understand but it is so real and you don't realize it like you're just chilling and then you're like oh damn like I I'm I'm in danger because I'm feminine presenting and I need to protect my vagina (laughs) or or my my whatever parts (laughs) so my my ride or die and I discovered this like Restaurant in a mall in Connecticut when we were, like, on a weekend in Connecticut. And my friend has a lot of food allergies and sensitivities. And this place actually, like, really worked for her. She was like, I feel like I can order a meal and not just cobble together something that loosely resembles dinner based on, like, you know. So we go to this place a lot. And every time we go, we have the same waiter. He's, like, 21. His name's Hunter. And the last time we went, we had just gone to the dispensary and it ended up that our shift was ending 
or our we were finishing lunch right around when his shift was ending. So we were like, hey, do you want to smoke a joint with us? We just went to the dispensary. And he's like, yeah, sure. We told him what her car looked like. He was like, I'll meet you out there after I clock out. And he just came and like got in our car and smoked a joint with us. And it was fine because we're not predators. But he got yeah. out of the car and I realized, I was like, do you think he even thought for a second that it might be unsafe to get into a car with two women from out of state who are like over 10 years older than him, who he does not fucking know to go do drugs. Yeah. Cause when I was 21, I still would have gotten into the car, but I would have texted my friend the license plate first. Like, I can't with you. Like, I still would have did that shit. I'm not a lie. I was stupid. Some precautions. I was 21. I, I was stupid. And I mean, that's the thing. It's like there's not that level. Like, I think that there's just that. Like, um, I mean, there is that saying that uh, men are afraid that women will laugh at them. Women, women are, are afraid, afraid that men, men will, will kill, kill them. them. And I mean, it kind of just goes to like, what is a, a man's worst fear? And it, it's not really being killed by a woman because, like, that's not very likely to occur. It's and being I don't humiliated. think that they fear that. It's being humiliated, and that is often what causes violence. Right. Right. So, <laughs> like, we're just two. To, it's on two different sides of the you know spectrum of like being any sort of um, feminine. Even if you're, you know a masculine presenting woman you still have that threat of of violence there's always sort of a vigilance of like am i safe am i taking precautions to keep myself right right and and then there is the onus that gets put on you with that thinking of like i am responsible for my safety there are things that i can do to prevent being you know harmed and that's not always true because it's someone else's choice and, you know, I think that that's such an important thing that I love that Miss Sauvet, you know, gets Paige to admit because she does struggle with her choosing to go upstairs. She's like, I didn't want, I went upstairs. I didn't go upstairs. I didn't drink. I didn't, you know, that's some of the Right. And if she'd taken shout. the bus 20 minutes earlier, maybe she would have met the love of her life and never gone to the party at all. Like... Mm -hmm. Yeah. We make so many choices that we don't know where they will lead us. Right. Choosing to go upstairs is not the same as choosing to actively harm somebody. Right. It's just another choice in your day that is routine, but then choosing to harm someone that I hope that's not routine in your day. And it's, it's, you know, he made a choice to go too far. As Spinner puts it, and, and it's a and choice I mean, that he's made before. It's a choice from that what made we before, can from deduce we, from the girl at the party. Although it's hard to know totally. because she was really vague about it. She's super vague. Like it, it could have been any spectrum of inappropriateness. It could have um, just to, been like to assault, right? But, you know, we don't right. know. We don't know. But I mean, there's some implication that it, it just whatever he did crossed a line, and enough that she felt like I should warn this girl. Um. You're not going to warn somebody if somebody's just like a, I don't know, gives you a, a creepy vibe. You're going to be like, maybe I just get a creepy vibe from this person. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I might, I might not, unless it's like a super serial killer vibe. I'm not going to be like, hey, I think this person might be like hiding bodies in their trunks. But like, you know, if I have pre 
like previous knowledge of actual creepery. Like they said something, they've touched me, they've done something. I am going to be like, hey, watch out. Don't get too drunk around this person. Don't let your guard around this person because they might try to take advantage of that. Um, And whatever way she was coming from, that girl was trying to warn her. Right. And And yeah. It's no, and you can see it on his face talking to Manny, like, mm-hmm. like, and you get the impression that, like, I don't know, like, he wants them to say no. It's more fun that way. I think he does. I Which, like, bro, find a girl who's into consensual non-consent. Like, there's totally, there's so many, there's so many women that there's have those plenty. And I mean, the fact that he has that kink in fucking high school, not even kink, it's not a kink because he's not, ter- he's not trying to make it like a, like a kink. He's yeah, actually no, a criminal. He's... he's a fucking criminal. But like the fact that he has those tendencies in high school is chilling. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, Paige, she, she really like, she takes it in stride. Um, I think that there's just a lot of like, progression in this episode like i love her and jt i think that they're like their relationship just gets you know is solidified as being a like the sweetest most bizarre friendship mm-hmm. and relationship and you know thus far in the series and maybe will continue to be but um i i love the dynamic because you know obviously she he, she doesn't let him know how much he helps her and how much that you know, he really does mean to her. And I think that, that their sweet, their discourse is very sweet. And the, the way that he um, tries to kick Dean's ass in her honor. Um, and then Spinner is doing the very, same thing later. And it's weird because JT's is endearing in a way that Spinner's is not. I agree with that. And I agree with that. And I it's think different. like there is a thing that, And I don't entirely, like, judge people for it, but the way that, and in particular, typically men, will get about sexual assault Mm -hmm. is this very macho, like, I'm going to go bash your face in type thing that does not typically serve the victim at all. Right. Yeah, Paige, that's not what Paige needs. Um, and, and and kudos I, to Spinner because he very quickly, like, realizes hears that, her. It yeah. takes him a beat yeah. because he's in the heat of the moment. Yeah. And it's, and it's reasonable that, like, that elicits anger. And that's mm-hmm. where you go. But He's take a, a step back and crush re- on like, her. Right, but well, it's right, not like, even like, just like, she's his friend. She's his friend too. I mean, right? He's he's had a crush on her, and and it, but she's his friend, and I think that there's just some, you know, inclination of like I, you know, I'm gonna just be outward about this, and he definitely reels it in. And I mean, it's similar with JT, but I think that JT being such a small guy and like attempting to overtake such a big guy, it's not about macho ness more. It's about just like fuck you like i just like this is you know you just right you fucked with my page like (laughs) right it's definitely not something he knows he's not trying to win it he's just trying to like you know do something do something the way that page you know describes and says you know that nobody can seem to do anything about it i think that that's really what 
gets JT is just like, well, I think I'm going to do like, something. Right. I feel like JT is like, like, yes, he's angry. And yes, he wants to hurt Dean. And JT is giving it all he's got. Um, but like, I feel like JT also knows like on some level that he can't hurt Dean and what J like JT goes and makes a spectacle Mm -hmm. and like people are going to have questions about that and rumors are going to fly about that. But one of those rumors is going to be true. Mm hmm. And, and yeah, no, and, and Spinner is sweet too, though. And I like that scene of Spinner kind of putting it together mm-hmm. because like, why would JT just go attack the mascot? But also you were standing right there. Why didn't you hear him when he said too much for you, Mr. Rapist? He said yeah. rapist, like, emphasis really on the rapist. Loud. Yeah, a lot of people were there. Um, you know, it's just convenient. Like, it's selective hearing, I guess. But I, it's, that whole scene is very powerful. And I think that the, just, like, calling him out and letting everybody know, like, this is who he is. is just such an important mm-hmm. part of the episode. And, you know, I love how Paige says later, I want to scare him, Miss Sauvay. Like, I want to scare him so bad that he never even thinks about doing this again. And, you know, I actually do think Paige and Spinner make a little bit more sense. I, you know, again, listening to past episodes where we've talked about how much they don't make sense i don't think that they have more chemistry like their chemistry kind of doesn't still doesn't really well to me but more sense in this episode than they have before this episode yes i also think it's a to a degree a trauma bond oh it and i think that that we yes i kind of always thought that 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 of their relationship like they just got together because Paige was just kind of in a spot where she needed someone safe um you know spinner's kind of a safe landing but um I kind of still think that like he's a safe landing he's a safe guy but he's also there when she needs it there when she needs someone to kind of like be that sweet guy Mm-hmm. She needs a sweet guy right now. And I am a sucker for someone meeting me with lunch or coming to me, bringing right, me bring lunch me or meeting me with, you know, I, I love, I love that. Like he had two sandwiches and two juices ready to go. Um, and it just, I, I, I really like the end of that episode of this episode because yeah. of their dynamic and just her, you know, being a little bit vulnerable and poking fun and just saying, you know, I do owe you a date and let's go to the dance together. And I just, I think that they're sweet. No, I'm, I'm starting to remember like why, where the pager appeal lies yeah. and I'm here it's for this it. Era, I'm ready really. to watch it unfold. I'm ready too. It's, it's a, it's a good ride. Pager is a good ride. And I think I, I think this is a the start of their golden era. And I think that I have to, I will be saying um, when it ends. <laughs> so and I, yeah, no. Cause it ends. It super does. end. yeah. Well, and it's interesting. 
I was like looking at the Degrassi wiki one day mm-hmm. and spoiler alert every single one of Spinner's partners has been a victim of some degree of like sexual assault um yeah Emma being the closest thing to an exception um Mm -hmm. just because she wasn't like full-blown assaulted but right uh, but but it still counts yeah the couple yes not to spoil future seasons but uh, totally not to name names anyway um but yes Paige fits into that that whole theory and then his future most of his future girlfriends all of them every single girl that he was with except right Manny uh not Manny except for um Emma would be the exception. Right, and she's really not the exception. I would say that what happened in Mother and Child Reunion was still sexual assault. It constitutes sexual assault, totally. Um, Um, I think that's interesting, and I think part of that is just the fact that, like, what are the statistics? Do they still claim it's one in four? um, That sounds sounds about right, unfortunately. Which I feel like... Means that one in three is probably more accurate. Because, like, you have to think about the ones that just were never reported, never talked about. Right. And especially if you think about, like, there are certain circles, like, you know, smaller, more extreme religious communities will keep that shit under wraps. And... You know, their women are raised in a way where they're never really going to make that big of a fuss about it. Um, yeah. And and statistics are complicated and all of that as well. It's at least one in four. And for yeah. Spinner, it was six and six. <sighs> but none of them were sexually assaulted by Spinner because even if he's a dick sometimes, he's not a rapist. Yeah. He's not. Dickly, sure. Rapist, no. Um, I think that Hazel, Hazel is Hazel's good too. She doesn't quite know what to do, and it's she not. She's not really, really given very much to do. Like in a perfect world, she wouldn't have said what she said to Spinner. Yeah, you know, because it's not her trauma and it's not her story to tell. Um, but I also like, can't blame her for it. Right. With her age and everything, you know, um, should we slide on over to the fashions? Yeah. My fashion corner is pretty scant. Obviously Paige, Michael Chuck is serving looks, but I think those are Caroline's captures. So if you want to. Yeah. So both of mine are Paige outfits and they're actually, it's her first and her last outfits. And so the first one is jeans and a pink top that's got a little bit of belly showing. It looks like it's keyhole, but she's got like a tank top on underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's very, very cute. cute. It's very like simple, very page. And yeah, then she's putting those little braidies in her hair. She's got the just little tiny yeah. little micro braid. They're so cute. I respect too. She those braids are in her hair the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Every time we see her, and her hair is different throughout the episode, but like those braids are there. Somebody put time into that. 
mm-hmm. whether it was her or not, and she's gonna leave him for a few days. They're so cute on her, and they're I love so how cute they're peppered in. Yeah, they're cute. And then she's gonna take him out, and she's gonna have these chunks of her hair that are yeah. very, very curly. Yeah. Um, and then her last episode is again jeans, and there's like only a hint of like midriff in this one it's like brown primarily with some oranges and like a teal we'll post it Mm -hmm. on the socials it's cute though i like it and it's there's something about the contrast of the two outfits and also like i'm as i'm looking at these two pictures now like Mm -hmm. Paige looks wiser yeah in this like second shot i don't know if you've got them up on the drive or not but i will so i do have the thing up but i don't have it on she looks like wiser stronger more powerful all these clicks oh that is a great photo and she does oh i love those jeans the first ones are the second ones the second ones they're so so cute they are they're so 2002 though they are but i love it's like i i never i i didn't do the low rise thing um just wasn't good for my body type but i just love a low rise like and she's got you know it's not quite so low that you can see her damn hip bones but she's got it like those jeans just work for ninth a ninth grader you know yeah i love those jeans and the belt and she's got a like i don't know i guess this is less the fashion but like you can see that like some weight has been lifted oh totally it's definitely like a lighter so and i mean even her outfit is just more like it's freer it's not as clinging to her you know she looks she looks like she's unencumbered a little bit more zen she does and i love it for her i do too um and I mean, for me, I just really, I, you know, to focus on our other darlings of this episode, Ellie and, um, Ellie and Marco, I thought that Ellie's outfit, um, again, she's wearing, I think this is an outfit repeater shirt that the shirt that looks like the British, um, the British flag. I know, I think you called it like a nickname. I know they they call, they have a nickname. The for Union it, but- Jack the union jack thank you um and she's got her crimped hair her crimped hair she loves her crimps and um she's got that like a plaid skirt on and her studded belt but marco is giving european model vibes as we've said before and he's got this like ribbed sweater it's like a sweater it's like a mock turtleneck a mock turtle right because it's good yeah and with like it's got a white stripe across it and the rest of it is gray like i said it's that like rib material and i mean it's just very much like even the way he uh, adamo oh my goodness like the, you're you're serving some european realness in this still right now but um 
It's it's a good outfit for Marco. I don't think it would work on really anybody else. No. But um, yeah. I mean, that's that's how light my fashion was. <laughs> the last two episodes were pretty fashion light. Some of them yeah. are gonna be. You know, it can't always be New Year, New Look, New Page. Right. It sure can't. And I mean, that's fine. Because Paige just needs to reserve the sleigh, you know, the sleigh and the drip, whatever the kids right. say. Um, for <laughs> she's got to ration it to us or we'll get too spoiled. Um, but yeah, since fashion was so scant, I think we can um, mosey on over to the side of town where they tend to fire shots and um, yeah. fire some shots. Yeah. Pew 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 pew. Shots fired. Pew pew pew. Pew pew pew. Um, do you want to start or do you want me to? Yeah, mine actually. My first one is at the top of the episode, where uh, JT says, "Help! I'm stuck in a box." And Paige says, "Does it say caution? Freak inside." She's so fucking lovely. I'm sorry. <laughs> Calling someone a freak maybe doesn't make it the most lovely, but she just does it in such an endearing way. Um, but yeah. No, they uh, have, it's very clearly like she's not calling him a freak hatefully. It's, yeah, it's, it's a pet it's name a of, of sorts. Yeah, like, it is. There's affection. There's so much affection there. Yeah. So my first one, and I went back and forth a lot on whether or not to give this um because it's a dean line whether or not to like it could even qualify um Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times when i'm looking for shots fired it's like i want to like note the sick burns that are thrown in degrassi um but I also have been trying to look at it with a broader lens and like literally like this episode ends with Paige essentially declaring war. Yeah. Because Dean keeps firing shots. And one of the first big ones, you know, other than, you know, the rape is Mm. he says to her, Go shake your little pom-poms and look cute, spirit. Oh, that is so fucking patronizing. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I don't know. I felt angry in my soul when he said it. It's so patronizing. It's so, like, diminishing. Yeah. And fuck him. Um, so it was not a sick burn, but it was, you know, kind of the first of many shots fired in this particular battle. And, and I love that it blows up in his face. Oh, definitely. I love that. Like, he just keeps pushing, expecting her to shrink. And she's like, I can get louder, dude. You don't think rock song with intense eye contact was loud enough? I can get louder. Go, Paige. Love that girl. What else um, you got? 
So I have JT saying, show him who's boss. Um, and Paige saying, is that what you've been, is that why you've been stalking me to give me a pep talk? <laughs> uh, Marco saying, oh, no, wait, I think that's one of yours. We did discuss that. I think that. that is one of mine. Um, okay, so my next one is Dean saying, uh, asking, is Waterboy your boyfriend mm-hmm. towards the end? And then one of the last singers I think that Paige has in this episode saying um, towards Spinner, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you be in your hairnet? (laughs) (laughs) So my other ones were, yeah. So Marco, when Ellie shifts the campaign and he keeps like bursting out laughing during the takes. And he says, when I say absorb each other, it sounds like we're ta- we're selling tampons or something. Mm-hmm. Um, shots fired at Ellie always. And then 100%. Manny, when Paige tries to be tries to give her a warning, says, um, "Manny says something," and Paige is like, "You don't know anything." And Manny says, "I know you guys had a date." And I know he never called you back. And I know you're jealous. Get over it. Which also, I think, if we're counting Manny's accusations of jealousy, here is another one. Mm-hmm. And then JT saying too much for you, Mr. Rapist, to Dean during their fight. You know some kids heard that. You know that's going to go oh, they around. they totally did. And they, they I am thrilled. Yeah. Um, I just completely lost where I was. Uh, oh, and your shots fired. Do you have any more? Um, oh yes. Well, no, I do, but we're going to bring in a clip of it, uh, because nobody can say it better than Paige Michael Chuck. And it's her finally confronting Dean and letting him know that she's coming for him. And it's beautiful. I have one thing to say to you, Dean. Get ready, because I am coming after you this time. Not like Spinner or the mascot. For real. And with that, you didn't have any more shots fired, right? Nope, I am finished. All right. Um. So Shining Stars and Super Bummers, we gotta take it back to... The first one, fight for your right. Yeah. Who are your um, shining stars in that one? I think for me, it's just really going to be um, Snake. Yeah. I think, I don't really think that there's any other. No. Snake. Not really. Not really. Emma. Emma's okay. You know what? Emma's really fucking annoying in this episode, mm-hmm. and she's not wrong. And I admire that she's not backing down. And even though she is annoying, she is being fierce in this this episode. And so. Even though she's being annoying, and even though this is a Emma Nelson slander podcast, I got to give it to Emma as well as Snake. 
all right that is that is your right um <laughs> uh for super bummers um I I'm gonna give it to because I, I I always go off who bum me out uh Spinner and Jimmy they both bum me out mm-hmm. um, yeah I gotta give it to that fascist Radage too yeah Radage goes in there because he is a he's, he's a character yeah um and he sucks in this episode he's like one you're making the problem worse by silencing her. Like, that should just be, like, the only thing they teach you in principal school. And two, like, you're crossing a line. Like, she has, she absolutely has a right to protest off campus. Yeah. And she has a point on everything else and stop sucking Radage. Mm-hmm. What about for... How soon is now? Um, I mean, I would just say the Shining Stars page because I just feel like she shine. She's a great, you know. She, obviously, she shines. She just shines. Um, and I, I'll give it to JT as well because I think that there's just a heartwarming, you know. And, and I will. I, I, I mean, I, I'll. I'll throw Spinner in there too as an honorable mention, but just because I don't, I don't, I'm not as woo, like it's not as much as warm and fuzzy, but I do think that there was an all moment in there for me. As soon um, as Spinner is aware to some capacity, what has gone down, he by and large is like a good person for Paige after that. And, like, he is a little bit, like, hashtag not all men. Or it feels like he's going in that direction for a second. But I think it's more him, like, fumbling through not knowing how to say, like, I know that very recently somebody who has certain traits in common with me did something horrible to you. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, you can only take me at my word, but, like, I'm not going to hurt you that way is what he's trying to say. And it sucks that he's all like, not all men about it, but mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. super bummers. That one's a little harder because Dean. Yeah. He's not a character. He's a um, plot device. I mean, for me, I'll, I'll go Ellie. Even though I did. Oh, right. I forgot. There's a whole ass B plot. And there's a whole ass B plot. I'll go Ellie just because I feel like she just, she knew it already, but she, and, but I mean, I just, her having to be rejected so hard is relatable, but it also bummed me out. So yeah, no, Ellie's a super bummer and <laughs> I'm never going to make you like justify that. Um, but she's also you very see the good in her Caroline. I know. Good. I know. I'm trying. Trying so hard. Um, yeah, I would say Ellie is really the only like super super bummer because Dean is not qualified for this award, right? But with that being proclaimed, um, it's time to ask: Did it go there? 
Did it go there? Does it go there? Um, so fight for your right. I think, I mean, I, I, I've decided I'm just going to be a lot more, you know, yes or no. Fight for your right. No. How soon is now? Of course. Mm-hmm. No, I would agree with that assessment. Yeah. Five for Your Right is a good episode, but it's once again. It's, it's a good not... episode, but it's just like the stakes are ultimately very low. Yeah, and all the stakes occur in How Soon Is Now. So mm-hmm. we've got all the stakes, all the payoff, all the players. Yeah, I would gathered. say we're we are pretty in agreement then. Yeah. Um, we're in a good space to head into our final two episodes of this season, which is nuts. Yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at, guys, is next week we are covering Tears Are Not Enough, parts one and two, uh, which has Craig learning to navigate really weird grief. Um, and then there's some bullshit with Paige and Spinner and Jimmy and Hazel, and that'll round us out for season two, which is really exciting. And then we'll uh, season wrap up and hop into season three. This episode of Your Mom's Podcast was made possible in part by Triple Five Soul, Sheila Sauce, and support from listeners like you. If you'd like to further support our show, you can follow our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at YMPadcast and TikTok at Your Mom's Podcast. You can also visit our website at www.padcast.com. Your Mom's Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you feel so inclined, subscriptions and reviews are another great way to support the show. And if you'd like to support us financially, you can subscribe to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash your mom's podcast. And remember, that's podcast. P-A-H-D-C-A-S-T. Thank you. We would like to thank our Patreon subscribers, Abots, Margo Mancini, June Bard, Octavia Faith and Alika Fenderson. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Ew, I hate how I said thank you. Thank you. <laughs>